Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing Shade, released by DEJ Productions, our old friends, on May 7th, 2004, starring Stuart Townsend, Gabriel Byrne, Tandy Newton, Jamie Foxx, Melanie Griffith, and Sylvester Stallone, written and directed by Damian Neiman. Well, I'm really in trouble since I have a different release date, but that's okay. Oh, I had, I mean, this is one of these, uh, this I, is in the dark period of Stallone's career where yeah. everything seems straight to video-ish. So yeah, I saw a 2004 U.S. release by DEJ Productions, who also uh, distributed uh, ICU, which was not a good sign uh, It was uh, w- not when I saw it. It was not, but I actually, I like this a lot better than ICU. Yeah, I'll say that. I, I totally I was pleasantly agree. surprised, actually, by this. It's nice to see a movie from this period of Stallone's career that is not total trash. Yes. It's, it's, I, would, I enjoyed this movie. I, I was pleasantly surprised. So my release date is close. I, I found an April 11th, 2004, so I, that, that's what I wanted okay. for my history. It's these are enough. soft releases for, for these movies. You I, know? It, what I found was that it was only in one theater, and it was like a domestic, you know, one, one weekend, Easter weekend, sure. like 25,000 in, in domestic gross. So. Yeah, I don't know. There's a disagreement between IMDb and Wikipedia, which is yeah. usually what happens when you and I have different dates. Yes. But I will say this, though. I liked the movie and i'm curious to hear your point of view on this i liked the movie but as someone who is fond of gambling i found the notion that in order to be the great the best gamblers to be the best cheater kind of uh, i was not pleased with that let me put it that way and see the thing is i is this really a gambling movie or is it more this is to me it's not the yeah they're, it's a con man movie, there but it presents itself. hustlers, but I, I understand your point, too. The, the beginning of the movie presents itself like, oh, this is going to be a poker movie, which yeah. I, was, I was excited about. And it's, yeah, it's not a poker movie. No, it's, There's a lot of poker in it. But. it, it well, I have a few things that, uh, you know, this movie came out before some of the references that I have in my notes. The, the scams and the grifts I've seen in other movies. Now, this, this came out before what I'm referencing, but... As I'm watching, I'm like, oh, man, I've seen a lot of this stuff already in either other movies or other TV shows. Yeah. But so to me, it's, you know, it's the, this is a terrible, I'm going to regret even saying this. You know, it's like a poor man's sting in in so much that it's more about grifters than it is really about gambling itself. Yeah. It it leads. I don't think that's bad to say. I mean, I I would agree with that. It's not as good as the sting for sure. Yeah. It's very far off from from this thing. But to me, it's not as much of a a gambling movie or even a poker movie, but there certainly are some scenes with it. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit of a disappointment to me as the movie is going on. I'm just like, oh, there's not. It's not Maverick. I mean, well, it's not Maverick. I mean, I love Maverick, but the poker in Maverick is awful. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, uh, Rounders is the the gold standard as far as poker movies are concerned. I was going to say, I don't think the poker is very good in this either. Well, uh, I'll have plenty to say about it later. I think it's hit and miss. I think at the very least they get the they get some things right that other movies get wrong in terms of. Well, I was about to say not every hand is a four of a kind, but actually, frequently there are a lot. There's a lot of hands where you'd never see. I mean, I, but it's also rampant cheating. So that's some of the reason you see so many. That's some of the reason. But the one that Jamie Fox gets at the beginning of the movie was was a real one, I think. Unless there's something I missed. The very beginning, not not the the game where he's set up, but the no, just the first time we meet him, yeah, where okay. he's just sitting at a poker table, and he yeah. pulls uh, he pulls a fourth nine on the on the river. I, I will talk about it later. I have a lot to say about that particular hand. Okay, it had a lot of my a lot of pet peeves that I have about poker movies. This movie does some of them. I don't know. I, I thought the poker was fine if you ignore the fact that everybody's cheating. 
<laughs> and it's almost true. Everybody is cheating. Yeah. I think that that opening hand is the only hand we see where nobody is cheating. <laughs> I think you're right. So, but I, I mean, this, even in casinos, people are cheating. <laughs> this is these are all things we're going to talk about later. I don't want right, to get ahead right. of ourselves, but um, yeah, I, I have some I'm thoughts gonna, about that as well. Well, and I I do I did want to open that I was I picked this again. It's another Olsen pick just because it was on Prime, so it was free and available to me. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised by this, and I, I'm not embarrassed as I am many times when I make the free movie pick. Well, the thing that I learned is that the guy who wrote and directed this, Damian Neiman, he is not a filmmaker. He oh, was a guy a, who... He's a mechanic. Yes, he was a guy who was in this world and who was uh, a card sharp. So yeah. it's like, based on that alone, there is a certain amount of authenticity to yeah. it. But on the flip side of that, the guy I don't think is a very good director. And also, I think the editing in this movie is very jarring, and I, I did not... I mean, you were comparing to the Sting. Obviously, I'm not saying that it would has the potential to be that good, but I do think there's some potential here for a very good, if not a great, movie in there somewhere. A great director and like someone who isn't just sticking the same piece of music in every scene over and over and editing every scene in a weird way where you're bouncing back and forth there, a million ways. There is, and I, and the thing is, I think I've seen it that because I'll steal from some of my notes. Whatever, it's fine. A lot of what you see here is in definitely season one, and it might have been season two of Sneaky Pete on Amazon. Okay. Pretty good series with Giovanni Rubisi. The first season has Brian Cranston in it. He's an executive producer. He's, he's not in subsequent seasons. That is far more well-crafted. Honestly, I think they may have stolen some of the stuff sure. from this movie and just decided, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take that and we're just going to make it a little cleaner and crisper. I mean, if you're going to steal, steal from the most obscure movie ever made. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. I looked up the years of the poker boom because my recollection was it was a little later than this. But actually, no. no. It was sooner. 2003 was the year Chris Moneymaker famously. Chris Moneymaker. Yeah, <laughs> the most aptly named person in the world. Um, I only remember because I remember what job I had, so absolutely. I it was 2003. It was, yeah. yeah, I thought it was 2004 or five, But anyway, yeah, that, that was the start of the poker boom, very clearly, where this guy who kind of came out of nowhere and won the World Series of Poker. And, and had the most perfect name ever. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, it, you couldn't have written it better. If you wrote it, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and and the fact that this movie was written, it came out in 2003, four-ish. Yeah. So 2000, let's say 2004, right? That's yeah. when it came out in the U.S. at some date. The fact that this movie came out at the height of the poker boom, and you and I had never heard of it. No, I, I, Somehow, I, I don't one, know. I, I can honestly say, you know, because some of them sometimes, I see you, I, I don't think I'd heard of that. No. This movie, I can say 100%, I did not know existed. When, no. Uh, what's funny is that when it was on the list, I just picked it because I happened to be searching on what of the categories we had left what what is even available to rent? Because we've run into some issues of not even being able to rent them. I wanted to make sure it was available. I'm sure. like, this was my first one. I'm like, oh, sweet, it's on Prime. I didn't even read the synopsis. I'm <laughs> like, know. I'm just picking it. So then when I started tuning in, I'm like, oh my, this is actually something I would have been interested in. And you're right, I had no idea this movie existed at all. Didn't know yeah. any of these actors were in it. No clue. That's a real knock at DEJ Productions marketing yes. team. How do they not take advantage of the poker boom? This movie, I mean, again, it's not really a poker movie, but you could still, you know, you you cut the trailer in a way to highlight the poker. Right. Obviously, and, they could have used that. And even if this was, a, you know, a dark period in Stallone's career, Jamie Foxx was certainly on the way up. I don't, you know, he, yeah, on the way up. He, he was not. He he was not. You know, he was not Jamie Foxx, no. but he was on his way up. Because yeah, Ray was two thousand and six. I want to say yes. Gabriel Byrne, this is probably peak Gabriel Byrne, 
pretty close to it. I mean, pretty close to it. Yeah. So, and again, I mean, it's not like for you and me, you know, movie fans, Gabriel Byrne is a, is a household name. Maybe not to everybody. You know, it's, I mean, it, end of days is only four years prior. So if, it, if there's ever a time uh, when Gabriel Byrne was literally the hottest. Yeah. Playing um, the devil. It, you know, it's a dark period in Stallone's career. Uh, Melanie Griffith. I'm not sure why she's in this. I liked her in this, though. Really? Yeah. She she should be taking advantage of all this Tiger King stuff, given her background. Because uh, do you know the history of Melanie Griffith? No. She was mauled by a, a lion as a as a teenager because she was her her mother was Tippy Hedren and her and Tippy Hedren and her husband. I don't know if that's Melanie Griffith's father or not, but. They owned like fifty lions. They were the original Tiger Kings, oh. and they made a movie called Roar, which is insane. I've only seen clips of it. I don't want to watch the whole thing because it's literally them running around with live tiger uh, lions. I think maybe some tigers and elephants and stuff, but mostly lions. Oh, man. And she was uh, terribly hurt. I think that <clears throat> when when you buy the DVD of Roar, it says on the DVD box in the back, it says no animals were harmed in the making of this movie, but several humans were harmed. <laughs> Oh man! And Melanie Griffith was one of them. So, all right. I just, it's funny. I was thinking about her with all this Tiger King stuff going on because everyone's obsessed with Tiger King. I didn't, which yeah, I've not watched. People are obsessed. I don't I haven't watched it. Don't care and won't. No, but I here. just I just learned something. I did not know this about Melanie Griffith. I saw her and I was like, oh, Melanie Griffith. She has history with lions. Why is she not uh, getting on this Tiger King train? <laughs> Strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. All right. You ready to get started? Sure. What day is it? What year? Well, according to me, it's April 11th, 2004. We'll go with your date. I mean, I'm sure IMDb probably is more accurate. That's where you pulled that from? Yes, it is. Okay. Also, the budget of $10 million, which I'm assuming everything went to the actors, because there's not much here. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard to say. Uh, so I got a total box office of four, uh, just over $458,000. If it was only one theater, then good on them. That's pretty good. Well, that's 25000 domestic. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes more sense then. And 433000 foreign box right. office. Right. Okay, I forgot about that split. All right. So on this actually, I, I should have known that this, uh, this might have had a, a little bit of something for us, because on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 67% freshness. Uh, and an audience score is slightly below, but you know sometimes those are very wide. Fifty nine percent on the audience score. Yeah, which, I don't know. I might I might rate it a little bit higher than that. I'd agree with that, but it's not too far off. All right. So in April of two thousand four, I looked it up. Shade was the eighty fifth movie <laughs> for the week, so it, it did not make the top ten. If it was on Box Office Mojo for that week, then you must have the right date. That, that's proof. I, I'm hoping so. So somewhat not surprisingly since it is Easter weekend Passion of the Christ is the number one movie in America uh, it total for that week was 15.2 million dollars it had been in theaters for a while seven weeks total gross for that movie you want you want to guess what the total I know it's was? enormous it's the one, one of the most unusual blockbusters I, I, it was probably a top 10 for the year it's got th- it, 353 million dollars I was gonna guess like 250 yeah that's crazy. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess it's not crazy. That's a lot of money. It's though. a lot of money. That, lot that was money. a phenomenon, like a legit phenomenon. It was. And then Mel Gibson followed it up with Apocalypto, which is a far better movie. I've never seen it. That's a movie. It's for some reason it's like not available anywhere. I don't think you can rent it on, on Amazon or any place, any streaming places. I don't think there's a Blu-ray. Interesting. I really like Apocalypto. I would love to get a Blu-ray copy. It's impossible to find. All right. Number two movie in America, Hellboy, with ten point eight million dollars. Okay. Uh, Have you ever seen those? I've never seen a Hellboy I've movie. I've seen that one, which was with uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, yeah. 
I know there was a second one with him. I think only two with him, and then I know there was a recent remake that did not. Yeah, people didn't like it, I don't think. No. Uh, I think there might have been a TV show on Stars as well. I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, beats me. Number three, it, opening. So those were both care, or holdovers from pre- the previous week. Uh, opening at number three is Johnson Family Vacation with $9.3 million. Also opening that week at number four, the Alamo uh, with nine point one million. Wow, I forgot about the Alamo. Hey, waka waka! <laughs> Dennis Quaid? I think that sounds right. I think it's Dennis Quaid. I haven't thought about that movie since two thousand and four. I forgot it I've, existed. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. I just like you just like dredged up. Oh, right, that movie is a thing that exists. I, I'm telling you that this list, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, number five, a holdover, Walking Tall. Okay, that movie's funny. It's oh wait, no, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, um, I'm thinking of Walk Hard. What is Walking Tall? Isn't that The Rock? I think it's The Rock. Yes, it's the remake of with, the '70s movie. I okay. think it's with uh, Sean William Scott. <laughs> yes, okay. I was thinking of Walk Hard. No, Sean, Sean William Scott is uh, Walk Hard. <laughs> we're thinking like three different movies and mixing them all because no, Sean William Scott is in. Uh, it's not Walking Tall. It's the one okay. where he's in the jungle. That's every movie with The Rock, right, I guess. Whatever. But. I think I think it's a movie with The Rock. Yeah, yeah, no, Walking Tall is The Rock. He's it's a remake. It might have been his. He's like first, a sheriff or something. Yeah, and it might. I've never seen either version of that. Might movie. be his first movie. Uh, no, no, no. You're, the Rundown was that's the one with John William Scott. That's the one. Is that his first? I think so. Okay, that's like 2002 or something. Okay, all right. Number six, Walt Disney movie, Home on the Range. Never seen it. Nope, me neither. Number seven, Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed with just over eight million dollars. Uh, number eight. Ooh, this is this is it really opening this low? That's terrible. A sequel to the whole nine yards. The whole ten yards. Op- a sequel opens at number eight. It must have been awful. Yeah, I don't know if there's that much. There was that much uh, uh, demand for a sequel to the whole nine yards. I wasn't a huge fan. I, I've never seen it, but uh, this might be another Jason Freddy versus Jason situation. Remember where it like left the top ten and came back, and so box office mojo. I don't was know. Was treating it like it was its, it's first weekend. Maybe I don't. But there's there's a couple here. Uh, Ella Enchanted, it's saying, is in its first week at six point one million, and The Girl Next Door is uh, at just over six million dollars at number ten. Okay, Passion of the Christ is just uh, sucking up all that business. That certainly was the right weekend for it. I just I can't imagine that you had that many movies. Also, I wonder if that was wrong on Box Office Mojo. All right. On the TV front, uh, the 2003 and 4 TV ratings. Number one show in America, CSI, crime, the original crime scene investigation. Sure. Since we've done these, you know, 0304, this, I know we've been down this one, but I'll do it anyway. I'm sure it's going to be all the same stuff. Uh, yeah, number two and three, American Idol Tuesday, American, American Idol, Idol Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> number four Friends. is. <laughs> number five? <laughs> what would have been, was it. Frasier? No, no, it's unfortunately a reality oh, TV it's show. Oh, yeah, it's The Apprentice. Yep, number six. Next is Survivor. Close. ER, then okay, Survivor. Then Survivor. Number eight. I don't remember this far down. CSI. Miami, the- okay. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> this, I, this, is, this is the same list. It we is. went through this list very recently. Yeah, so number, actually, number nine and ten, they're tied, was Monday Night Football and everybody was screaming. So okay. on the history front, starting off with the S&P 500, of course, uh, it is at one one three three point three six. April first, April Fool's Day. Google introduces Gmail. The launch is met with skepticism on account of the launch date. So, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a poor choice. Yeah, 
Exactly. April 5th of 2004, the 66th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship is played. UConn beats Georgia Tech. Uh, Huskies forward. I had to remember which UConn team this was. It was a Mecca Okafor. And as I typed that in, I said I should have remembered because that is the last time that DePaul University was in the NCAA tournament. Oh, that's, that's I can too tell bad. you, the UConn Huskies were a number two seed because DePaul had to play them in the second round, and it was not fair. Well, look. You had Okafor and Ben Gordon. You had two lottery picks on that team. Well, look, is this, that, would, that would have been one year after the heartbreaking Illinois loss in the Final Four. I think so, yeah. No, so that no, was no, 2003. I think, I think. No, I think it was about five. I think it was the next year. Next year, okay. Yeah, North Carolina. So better, better to not be in the tournament and not get your heart broken. Not that Illinois is doing anything these days anyway. Uh, and not only did you get your heart broken, the refs actually really won that game for the national championship game for North Carolina. Yeah. It was very one-sided, as I remember, on the calls. All right, April 22nd, uh, Pat Tillman, a former NFL player who enlisted in the U.S. Army, is killed by friendly fire in eastern Afghanistan. Um, that was actually so. I I was a huge back in the, in this day. So I wanted to highlight this one. In these days, I was playing and somewhat obsessing about fantasy football. And I played the leagues that I set up. You drafted individual defensive players. You didn't draft team defenses. You oh, interesting. Did, yeah, you actually did individual defensive players. And I had Pat Tillman as one of my defensive players. I absolutely loved Pat Tillman the way he played when he was in the NFL. So I, I'm not going to say that made the war in Afghanistan like more real for me, but. I, no, it's understandable. It was, I mean, it was like shocking when when that I think, news broke. I think it's. I mean, you could argue whether or not it should be this way, but he's certainly the most famous casualty from that war. Oh, yeah, like by leaps and bounds. Yeah, because I mean, he he was in it. It's not like he was at the back end of his career. He was in the prime of his of his NFL career. Yeah. Side. You know, well, especially as the details of what happened came out. Yeah. It's like at first it was just like, oh, what a, a tragedy! He died in battle, and then as Things began to come out about you know friendly fire, and yeah. it was not a good story. No, it was not. And uh, it was a cover up. But there was a lot yeah, of that because the government, you know, the military didn't want, want to admit that they yeah. killed an NFL star. They tried to kind of push him as like a hero because he was famous. And then yeah, as the details came out, that was a, that was just a rough story. Yep. Uh, and then April twenty fourth, more NFL news. Eli Manning is drafted number one overall by San Diego Chargers. Oh, that's right. Which he said, I'm not playing for the yeah, San Diego Chargers. Was Philip Rivers drafted by the Giants and they just traded him? I, yeah, and I don't remember what else then was yeah, yeah, included okay. in, in, the, in the swap. Uh, April 28th, the Abu... Oh, man, I'm going to... Abu Ghraib? Thank you. How did you know that? Because actually I was just reading about uh, Abu Ghraib recently for a reason. Read the story and I'll, okay. I'll explain why. Well, the prisoner abuse is revealed on uh, the television I show. I didn't realize this existed. 60 Minutes 2. Oh yeah, I remember sixty minutes too. I didn't. I did not. It was remember. usually puff pieces they'd put on there, just like celebrity. <laughs> yeah, this is the opposite. That's of that. not a puff piece by any stretch. Yeah, no, it's, this is the opposite. It's a, a weird coincidence because I was just seeing someone on Twitter talking, like a teacher, a history teacher, saying that like his students. I don't know if he's high school or college, but whatever. He's saying his students had like not one person in his class, not one kid in his class had any awareness of what Abu Ghraib was or what its significance was. They'd never heard of it. Which par- partially is that surprising if you were you know three or whatever or yeah. you know uh, I'm sure you know there I'm sure there are things that happened in the early '80s that uh, you I and I have yeah, zero clue of what we were technically alive, but I don't you know Grenada I couldn't tell you a lot of details about Grenada, but you know at the same time Abu Ghraib should be I mean it was just kind of like one of those things where someone was like yeah this should be more well known to young people yeah so yeah. within within a week not a lot of good news. <laughs> 
coming out oh, for the United States military. That's, I mean, at least you're sticking. You got a lot of sports in there, so you got a mix of uh, not horrible stuff. Yes, yeah, so uh, the, the button has been retired. By the way, it's, techni- oh, it's technically still on there. It's I'm, been retired. I'm, I'm never pushing it again. Okay. As I'm editing these, it just sounds like we're being the cruelest people of just like <laughs> making fun of past tragedies. Okay. It, it it had the total opposite effect of what I intended when I put That's it on fair. there. That's fair. So yeah, sorry, Steve Martin. Well, we'll here, never hear you sing again. Here you go. I'm trying to be. I don't know if this is uplifting. The last one maybe is April 29th. The last Oldsmobile rolls off the assembly line after 107 years of being in production. 107 years. Yeah. Wow. Oldsmobile was. I mean, General Motors came together because there were a number of. I don't want to call them regional, you know, car manufacturers, but sure. Uh, I think it was it's Durant. I think it's Robert Durant is who ultimately came up with the idea for the corporation and GM of basically taking, you know, you had the it wasn't the the Dodge Brothers because that wound up going into Chrysler, but you had a bunch of different car manufacturers, and it's like, well, this you 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 know you're this market, you're this market, and folded it all under one, and so Oldsmobile, like many of the other, you know, was just. They were competing with the Model T. Yeah, exactly. I never knew they went back that far. Yeah, it went back very far. I own an Oldsmobile, actually. Yes. Oldsmobile Achieva. Ugh, I don't remember what year. It might have been 99? might have been 99. Okay. So it, it was getting towards the end when I owned that car. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think I remember that car. I don't remember cars very well. I remember Oldsmobiles being very nice. It was a fine car for me. Also, I, I remember that car you driving. It was still a gigantic boat of a car, wasn't it? Even though it was ninety nine, uh, like they were still making gigantic no, American cars. You're, you're thinking of a di- you're thinking of a different car. Am right? I okay? Yeah, that's all right though. All right, May sixth, I finally have it. I know for a hundred percent when the final episode of Friends went on the air. Oh, it's two thousand four because it's May sixth, two thousand four. Sounds about right. You want to guess how much an ad cost for thirty seconds for the finale, and then how many viewers tuned in? I don't have enough context to be able to guess. I'm going to say 1.5 million for a 30 second ad. Close, two million. Okay, and I'm going to guess if there's this is just U.S. I assume because yeah. uh, if there's 300 million people in the U.S., I'm going to say back then there was probably 300 million. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, it's higher now. But. Uh, I'm going to say 40 million people tuned in. Close, 66 million wow. viewers tuned in for the finale of Friends. All right, and then in the pop culture front. New York Times bestseller, The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> yes, da Vinci. Mike gave me a look, and I immediately knew it was going to be because we've had it like three times this season. <laughs> yeah, that stuck around. Oh, and then the, <laughs> the Billboard 100. What, what, what were the other movies that we've watched that were The Da Vinci Code? Because it was I See You. Yeah, there was one more, wasn't there? There's another one. <laughs> yeah, this is the third time. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so sorry, the Billboard 100. Well, was it Ant? No, Ant's is too soon. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, by Usher featuring Lil Jon and oh yes, Ludacris. Sure, spawned a very good Chappelle show skit. It absolutely did. One of, <laughs> is the one source of, my, of that. One of my favorites. Otherwise, that who, who's playing that song now in 2020? Who's playing Yeah? You don't even really hear it in like ads and things. No, I don't think so. Yeah, that, that, to the scrap heap of music history. Well, so we've revisited 2004 once again, but that was April of 2004. Okay, let's All move right. on to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right, the big picture, the segment of the show where we discuss the plot of the movie. This time, I have a one sentence, oh. uh, if, if you'd rather go first. Oh, no, fire away. I want to hear it. I, w- I would summarize this movie as a bunch of unlikable people pull cons on slightly more unlikable people, and so therefore we're supposed to root for the less unlikable people. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good, because 
there are not a lot of likable characters in this movie. No. I mean, in the end, they're, I, I would say Stallone and Melanie Griffith are the most likable. Well, in the end, I think I, I'm, I was rooting for them more than of anybody Of the main else. cast, I think Hal Holbrook is probably oh, the yeah. most likable character in yes, the movie. But I hear you. Hal Holbrook, I, I meant to look up if and when he passed away or if he's still alive, but uh, I, I didn't know he was acting this late. It's like, yeah, it's I mean, nice to see Hal Holbrook in a movie in 2003. I mean, he was an old-looking dude in Wall Street in 1987. <laughs> he was an old-looking dude in the second uh, uh, Dirty Harry movie <laughs> in 1973. Think about that. And this is 2004. Yes, yeah. I, Hal Holbrook is great. It's, it, it's, it's too bad that character only exists for that one scene. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I think I would like this movie better if he was in it more, if Stallone was in it more, and if uh, our main cast. I mean, in the end, I, the movie makes it pretty clear that we're not supposed to like Gabriel Byrne and Tandy Newton. But for a while, I was going like, who are we supposed to be rooting for? I think that's one of the things I had I, trouble with. I guess. I think it. the movie pretty early on rules out Tandy Newton, for sure. Although, I wasn't sure if the organ harvesting was real, so that, that's in my questions that we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to discuss. Yeah, okay. Uh, it didn't occur to me, but yeah. But assuming if that's for real, then you established pretty early on she's she's not to be rooted rooted for. Well, yes, but I wasn't sure what the point of view of this movie was. Was the movie? I, I thought like, is this movie saying that that guy deserves this? You know what I mean? Like, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get we'll, to we'll it. talk about it. Not in too much detail. Well, I hope. Let, let me let me try my three sentence. <laughs> yeah, plugs feel on free. Ready? All right, a crew- mine was a little you know glib. So go ahead. But there's a lot of truth in yours. <laughs> okay. A crew of hustlers work their way to a card game against a hustling legend, the Dean. They run across a mob enforcer channeling Steven Seagal's demeanor and reach the final game ready to take down the Dean. But in the end, there is no honor among thieves. No. Which, which did you see either of those cons coming? I, the, I, I, I did. The reason being is somewhat because I feel like a lot of this was rehashed in okay, Sneaky sure. Pete. 100% I saw it coming. I was a little surprised by the Jamie Foxx because I was kind of going like, they've got something up their sleeve here. This isn't just the plan they're presenting. There's more to it than that. I, I, but I wasn't sure what it was going to be. But then as soon as, because uh, I mean, your your uh, summary skipped over the Jamie Foxx stuff and kind of rightfully so because it's a little prologue before the actual story. But because they pulled this con on Jamie Foxx and then they present, oh, we're going to go after, um, what was it? The Dean. The Dean. I, I almost called him the Duke. <laughs> They're going to the Duke. <laughs> leads, leads the league in all categories, including nose hair. Mo- no, it's most offensive <laughs> categories because that makes it even better. That's right. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna try to not to call him the when Duke. When this guy sneezes, he looks like a party favor. <laughs> right. They're at, they're actually not talking about the Duke in that. There's a different. Day. Oh right, right. Yeah, the other guy. You know, this guy throws at his own kid in a father's <laughs> son game. <laughs> That's the Duke. That's right. <laughs> These are all quotes from Major League, in case you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, I can quote that movie all day. Yes, but, uh, but obviously better than me. But so, yes, the Dean. Um, but once they go, like, okay, we're going to take down the Dean, and you know we're going to pool all our money and go after the Dean. And as, as soon as they, went, they did that, I'm going, this is the exact same thing that happened to Jamie Foxx. This is clearly what's going to happen, is they're, they're conning, you know, he's conning... Uh, the cons. Uh, yeah, and, and Tanya Newton and Gabriel Byrne are, are the ones who are going to be fall for this exact same thing they did to Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So that one I saw a mile away, and that's it was kind of a bummer to go like they're not going to do that, are they? Then they just well they did. But, and the, so the first season of Sneaky P, and it's been a while. I think it's on season three. Might even be season four. Still on? Uh, yeah, because it, it's it's one of Amazon's. I would call it better shows. Okay. Um, what's funny is the one that Amazon seems to have committed to the most, and it might be because I know we're getting off topic. But it might be just because there's so much material. 
Uh, and I like, I actually like Titus Welliver. I'm somewhat embarrassed that I've seen all, and the new season just posted. I've seen every season of Bosch. Sure. Uh, I'm somewhat embarrassed, uh, but it's good enough. But that's like the one show, for whatever reason, Amazon has just committed, we're just going to keep cranking out this, you know, police procedural. It seems like they rotate. For a while, I was seeing nothing but Bosch ads on Amazon. But now I get a lot of The Expanse. I get a lot of... Uh, well, it's because whatever's Phoebe new. Phoebe Wallbridge show. What's that called? Uh, Fleabag. Fleabag. Well, I get it's a lot whatever's of new and sure. whatever. So, but, but the first season of Sneaky Pete, no. But he has an entire... The, the elaborate, like they rent a house and they have, you know... I, Sneaky Pete probably 100%. I should go back and watch season one again. But I'm pretty sure they lifted straight from this movie. Well, that's, that's what con men do. That's, you know, they're all crooks. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's, let's but, go through the plot, because, yeah. Fire away. Well, I was going to say, we, we we should cover the Jamie Foxx stuff, because I did enjoy it, even though, in the end, I was bummed that the poker game was all fake. And I was like, I was ready for a poker, you know, and I was kind of like... <laughs> you were ready for Maverick. I love Maverick, yes, but it is not a good poker movie. Okay, you were it's ready a good for movie. Rounders. Yes, I was ready for Rounders, yes, because I was actually, like, watching... The cards and trying to figure out, oh, like, what's the strategy here? It didn't matter. It was all it was all fixed. So w- I was paying attention for nothing. So yeah, Jamie Fox gets well. They uh, establish uh, Gabriel. I don't remember any characters' names. Tiffany is Charlie Tandy Miller. Newton. Tiffany. Charlie Miller, right? Charlie Miller and Tiffany, played by Gabriel Byrne and Tandy Danny Newton. Newton. Yep. And establishes them as like con artists. They they con some gas station attendant out of money for, uh, for a ring. Yes, and do you you probably don't remember this movie that well, but a movie 100% ripped that off. It's oh, it's Zombieland. Zombieland. I don't remember that. So the the uh, Abigail Breslin and um Emma Stone do the exact same con. Okay. <laughs> As I'm watching this, I'm like, well, zombie between Sneaky Pete, I have in my notes, and Zombieland just lifted everything from this sure. movie. This this movie was the seeds were scattered to the winds and they yes. bore fruit later on. No, I yeah. thought you were going to say that uh, I'm pretty sure the guy who gets conned there at the gas station is the dude from Speed whose car Ooh. gets taken and... And then later in Speed Two, when his boat is commandeered by not Keanu Reeves, I did not. I did not recognize. I that. I think it's that guy. I didn't look it up, but I was like, "Is that that guy?" I'm like ninety percent okay. sure. I thought that's what you were going to point out. No, no. Um, but yeah, they're con artists, and then they 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 uh, meet Jamie Fox, who is a poker player and who thinks he's this great poker player, even though I have my doubts that we'll, we're going to dig into that later. And then it's like, oh, we're going to get you in this big game, and we're going to have uh, their mechanic. Victor? No, that's not right. What is it? What's his, what's the guy's name? It begins with a V. I'm gonna let's see how many guesses you got. I gotta actually look at my notes now. See, it, no, I got it. It came to me. It does start with a V. What, what is it? I'm not Vernon. Gonna, Vernon. Okay, that's right. That's, I like the commitment. Victor. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right. I knew it started with a V, and I started to say Victor, and then halfway through, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> but you committed. Yeah. Played by Stuart, Stuart Townsend, who I was not familiar with. And Neither was I at all. He's the only one of this cast who is not like a pretty big star. And I looked him up, and I think he is, at this point, only known for being, um, oh, God, what's her name? I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. She's one of the most famous people in the world, actress. Uh, she, uh, uh, Atomic Blonde. The, Charlie Theron? Charlie Theron, yes. Okay. He is her ex-husband. Oh, that's what he... <laughs> that's basically what he's known for these days. Well, 
He, accom- he accomplished more than I did. He was married to Charlize Theron. Yeah. Well, sure. Well, I think he was probably on the way up, and she was not known at this time. Oh, that would be interesting to know. And I think it's one of those situations no, where... By t- 2000, two ac- 2004, she, she was what, a household she, name. No, what would she have been in? She didn't she was get famous t- until like late 2000s. What? Mons- Monster was like 2005, 2006. It's probably she, 2006. She That's was probably when she Two Days in the Valley? No way. She's in The Devil's Advocate. That's like 1997. She's in The Devil's Advocate, but she wasn't oh, famous. Oh, she was a household name. No, not back then. Well, I, regardless. I disagree. Well, regardless. I think this is one of those situations where maybe they were similar levels of fame in 2003, and then she became one of the most famous <laughs> people in the world, even though I couldn't remember her name. That's my own problem. That's not because of her. But yeah, and he's he's Stuart Townsend, f- famous for playing a guy not named Victor in in Shade. <laughs> I already forgot his name. What you, is it? You sh- Vernon. Vernon. You should write like the Silk Cozart. You should write Stuart Townsend's IMDb intro. Sure, yes. He's famous, world famous for playing a guy not named Victor in 2004. Shade. At least I remember the name of the movie. That's pretty good for me. <laughs> I couldn't remember Charlize Theron's name, but we're watching. We're talking about Shade. All that's, right, that, that's that's about as high a bar as I can set for myself as far as remembering names of things. So, some actually in the plot discussion is a little tough too because there is a. Va- I don't know if I would say it's you know Tarantino and Pulp Fiction esque in terms of its time jumps, but it definitely does jump around, and then you get the perspective from. You know, somebody else on a phone call later in the movie. Yeah, it jumps around too much. I, I think it is going for that in a way that does not work. Yeah. This movie would have been better if it had been a little more straightforward. Linear. Yeah. Not not everybody can be Quentin Tarantino. Well, the perfect example of that is, all right, they run this con on Jamie Foxx. It's a rigged game. They set him up so you, he gets this great hand, but, um, you know... The other guy, Mark Boone Jr., who is one of my favorite character actors, I recognize him. He's he was a he was a cop in Batman Begins. Oh, but you know how why and how he got that role in Batman Begins? How's that? Oh, he, well, he hooked up with Christopher Nolan on still probably oh, my favorite. No, is Memento. Memento. I mean, yeah, That's literally the next thing I was yeah, about to it's say. It's impossible to not know him in, in Memento. Okay, yeah. He's he's a great character actor. I see him pop up in a, yeah. like twenty movies a year, probably. I, I just rewatched Memento actually the other day because I, you know, what's funny is it's annoying to me that I have all these movies on DVD, but when I actually wind up watching movies, is like, oh, it's on HBO or you know some some streaming, and I have to yeah, see it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch it right now. That's what I did with Memento. I probably didn't watch Memento in five years, and I couldn't even point. And I still say it's still one of my five top five favorite movies of all time. Okay. But do I pull it out on my own? No, but oh, it's on the streaming app, so sure, I'm going to watch it right now. I used to do that all the time when I still had cable and be flipping through the channels. Oh, here's this movie that I own on, on high def or, you know, yes. whatever. I could very easily put in, you know, and not get, like, the uh, the compression. I could actually watch a higher quality version yeah. of this, but no, I'm just going to watch it on TV. Yeah. You know, or, like, the censored version. It's like, well, I'm just too lazy to get up and put it in my DVD player. Um, but anyway, getting back to the, uh, the timeline jumping around, the perfect example of this is Jamie Foxx gets conned. He goes back to his mob guys and t- and they're like, oh, I hear like, they've already heard because uh, Tandy Newton has tipped them off. We learn later. They're driving around. They're talking about it. Oh, you got you got con. You're the one who you were the mark, you know, cut back to the crew of guys. All sorts of things are happening They're They're setting up their new thing against uh, the Dean, blah, blah, blah. Nightfall happens next morning. Cut to Jamie Foxx and those mob guys still driving around. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sure it's because 
Oh, it's yeah. time jumping around. We had seen, we had cut, jumped forward to the next day when Jamie Foxx was actually, I'm sure that's why, but it just gave me the impression of just like, wait, they're still driving around? They're really lost. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it feels, the way the movie is structured. They clearly they, need a GPS. There's so much of that. There's like flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks, and it's like, this didn't need to be. It tried to be too clever. Yeah, I think I think it's almost like. The filmmaker who was not a filmmaker, he was, you know, a, 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 you know, his his specialty was in like card tricks and misdirection and stuff, and he tr- was trying to apply that to filmmaking in a way that didn't quite work. Like he's shuffling the movie, like he shuffles cards. I or can something. see that because what that kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit, actually, referencing another Nolan movie, is The Prestige. I mean, The Prestige. Now it does, I think, a very good job of it, but it in itself is in you know, it, it's a setup in a in a magic illusion in each of like the three acts of the prestige yeah. is exactly like the three acts that they set up in what a, a, a magic illusion is. So I wonder if you're right, if he's from his background, he's like, Oh, well I need to do the, this misdirection. So that's what I'm going to do. Right. Whereas you're probably right. You don't want to trick the audience too much. Like no. you're supposed to be telling us a story that we can follow. And you know, we're not supposed to be the Mark when we're watching a movie. We're supposed to be the one that is on your side, you know, as the, you know, but maybe that's what he was over. going for. was trying to make the audience, the Mark, <laughs> I guess. But then why should I, I, I'm not happy about that. If that's the case, as the audience member, I don't like to feel like I'm being tricked. Well, Jamie Foxx wasn't very happy either. His, well, his no. name was Jennings, by the way, Jennings. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the mob boss was Max, I guess. Uh, the ultimate boss or the enforcer who, to me, was channeling Steven Seagal in his delivery? That's Yeah, I think that I couldn't quite place what to compare him to. But yeah, Steven Seagal is a good one because it's all, you know, this is, it's all pinched in his throat. Yes. Hey, you He's know, sitting you... there t- like having dinner with a guy with duct tape on his face and just his delivery of that. That's right. I forgot that's how he's introduced. <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> This movie is uh, it's a little it's a little bonkers at yeah, times. It's a little bonkers. What's funny though is that there was something about that guy. I, the, I mean, that was a choice that actor made. Yeah, there was something about it I kind of liked though. I, I maybe should be embarrassed to admit that, but I I kind of like the choice he went with. Yeah, but he's like in a totally different movie. In a different movie, that works and is is fun. He is in a different. But he's. I mean, that's the thing that I think a more seasoned director would be like. What are you doing? Why are you doing this voice? <laughs> oh, I just thought it would be interesting. I had to give him a you know unique thing. Nobody else is doing characters like this. You're like a character out of a Jim Carrey movie, and we're all doing a realistic con artist movie. <laughs> no, it'll be good. It'll be good. That's how it felt. I feel like the director probably would have a, a more seasoned director would have stepped in. Be like, You're reminding Don't do that. me now of that story you told me about Steven Seagal. That he didn't want oh, to be the bad yeah. Stephen Tobolowsky. <laughs> he didn't want to still kill Stephen Tobolowsky. So they brought him, brought Stephen Tobolowsky back into the recording studio and told him to say, finish me off, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great... That's Look up, look that up on YouTube. Stephen uh, Tobolowsky on Steven Seagal, I think is what the thing is titled. So, but the ultimate mob boss who we wind up running into or becoming part of the movie at the end is Malini. Mr. Malini. I think it's Max Malini. I remember Max. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I'm the worst uh, person to trust for that sort of thing. But, but anyway, yeah. They're gonna... but we, more, most importantly, we actually have to skip back to the beginning because the beginning is like the 1960s, 1950s. Oh, sure, yeah. You get introduced to what turns out to be Stallone because we get like, I don't know, more than a third, probably close to a half of the movie is over before Stallone. Yeah. 
the actor shows up, the character we see in the opening scene in a, in a poker game, yeah. and that was also some cheating was going on in that game. But actually, you know what? The cheating hadn't happened yet because the poker game gets robbed before the Dean can actually cheat at the game. So well, that, you can assume he's been cheating this whole time. Also, right. there's intent to cheat. <laughs> so even if he hadn't it's been cheating... It's not even intent. He's, he's trying to cheat. <laughs> yeah. He's just stopped before he can. Yeah, you're right. We did skip that scene where the game the 60s gets robbed and the, put up your hands. He doesn't want to put up his hands because he's palming the card and he's got like an apparatus up his sleeve. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But so about halfway through the movie is when we finally meet up with Sylvester Stallone, who is the Dean. Yeah. And this is a good... Good part for him at this point, like, you know, this was when he was trying to get away from the action stuff and and struggling. And but this is a really good use of someone like him who is a movie star. I mean, even in two thousand three, when things Absolutely. were waning for him, he's still one of the most famous people in the world. And you know, this mysterious character. It's like, uh, have I have I talked about this in the podcast? I know I've told you the story uh, at some point, but the Orson Welles idea of a star part. No, I, it's I forget where I heard the story, but Borson Wells he did a play once, and he said, you know, he, he played a character called Mister Wu, and so for the whole first couple of acts, Orson Wells never steps on screen. Everyone's like, what will Mister Wu thinks when he gets here? Oh, Mister Wu is coming tomorrow. Oh, no, we, I can't wait until Mister Wu gets here. And then just before the intermission, way in the back of the stage, Orson Wells comes on, and everyone goes, oh, Mister Wu is here. And then curtain comes down, intermission, and then he said. Out in the, the, the lobby, everyone's going, isn't the actor who's playing Mr. Wu wonderful? And <laughs> he literally didn't do anything. And that's kind of the Stallone part here. He's ta- I mean, the Dean has talked about so much that what, by the time he comes on screen, Stallone's already way ahead of the game where it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Here's this awesome character we've been hearing about. So, I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a star part. I mean, the fact that they got Stallone, they got a real movie star to play this part, I think helps it because... That's the way he's treated in this world. He's the celebrity of the, the con artist world. And yeah, the only way that you can become him is to defeat him. Yes. And the only way to defeat him is to become him, I guess. <laughs> I, well, I, I wasn't or sure. Or at least cut a deal with him. Well, sure, yeah. Because that's really what happens. Yeah, it is what happens. So, but, I mean, but then the dean retires. So doesn't that make Stuart Townsend the new dean or no? Because he's also going to not... Well, that's the thing. That's why when they cut for it and they don't show you and leave it ambiguous. Uh, yeah, they leave it ambiguous. But we're, we're jumping ahead a ways because... Uh, not much. No, not much. Because the rest of the game, the rest of the movie is this game. They're going to take down the Dean. And uh, the whole thing is just who can cheat the best. And yeah. everyone's more or less open about it except for the other people at the table. I have no idea if everybody else at that poker table knows the score. I feel bad <laughs> because actually one of the actors at that table oh, yeah. is one of my uh, – another great character actor. He really gets – I mean, I'm going to assume it's the same guy. Uh, maybe not. Because one, there's one guy I recognized, but I wasn't sure who he was. I, I, I was one of those I've seen that guy in a million things. And then there's another actor at that table who I've seen in one thing. Okay, well, we're right, you know okay, what? I think you're talking about. I think we're talking about different people. I'm talking about the guy from Austin, Austin, Texas. Okay, I, that's not that's neither of the people I was thinking of. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you've seen him. There with. aren't that many people at the table. No, there's there Molini. There's right. the dean. There's the dean. There's the guy from Texas. There's the guy from Texas. I, I didn't recognize him at all. Oh, he, well, he's in Dumb and Dumber, and I, there's just no way that. I can ever forget him. Okay. Well, there's that guy. I don't recognize him. There's there's a guy with kind of a craggy face who doesn't talk much. We never learn his name. And he just kind of quits halfway through. And 
I've seen him in things, but I'm not entirely sure. I think he's in Westworld. He's been in a couple episodes of Westworld. Oh, I just, I've recognized him. The guy who's basically, he leaves at least with a few chips. Is yes, that, he, he, he oh, walks that, away. That guy than, was huge. He was, uh, he was on a, a cop procedural hunter in like the late yeah, 80s. Yeah, okay. Was he hunter? Yeah, he was hunter. Okay, okay yeah. That's that's yeah. that's who I thought you were going to talk about. Okay. But then the last person at the table is the, the person, the, the actor I only know from one thing. I was going to say, I don't know that guy at all. Well, he's not recognizable because he's usually in a lot of makeup. Michael Dorn, Worf from Star Trek: The Next That's Generation. Not, are you? I didn't look at the, the I guy with the lucky hat. Oh, well, Michael Dorn. I know the. I know the name. The guy with the lucky hat was Michael Dorn. Oh, you didn't man. recognize his voice. I mean, I guess when he's doing Worf, he's doing a voice more gruff. Than, yeah. No, I didn't recognize it yeah, at all. Michael Dorn. Wow. Worf from Star Trek. I've been watching a lot of Star Trek recently. Like I, Next Gen is really the only show Star Trek show I like, but I do like Next Gen a lot. So yeah. Seeing Michael Dorn was exciting. It's like that's Michael Dorn. It's like oh cool. So so it I is think it's the only time I've ever seen him any other role that's not Worf. Here's the thing: is I don't think anybody else at that table is cheating. I think it's just I don't think so either. Yeah. I think it's the dean and Vernon are the only ones cheating. So that really sucks for them. Yeah, they makes, lose a lot of money. They lose a lot of money. It makes me mad, and that's the kind of thing. Like as a as a fan of poker and of gambling, that really gets my goat. And they're cheating <laughs> a mob boss, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that that I'm less concerned about. He is a mob boss. They killed Jamie Fox, uh, you know, and that's that's not the nicest thing to do. It's not the nicest thing to do, but it also seems really dangerous to cheat that guy. Well, it's like I guess if they had revealed, oh, they're all in on it too, and they're gonna all gonna get their money back or their cut of whatever, then fine. But yeah, in, in no, the in- they just get ripped off. In the interest of of uh, conning uh, Miller and uh, Tiffany, Tiffany, okay, I got it right. Uh, in the interest of conning the two of them, they've this, there's literally collateral damage. I'm going to play the oh, clip because nice. it's, it's called collateral damage. You're right. It's those a very poor, unusual kind of collateral those damage. Those poor guys at the table absolutely are. Yeah. No, the movie never addresses it. And it makes me mad. <laughs> but the like, thing what is, the is that is it, I, I think it's also intentional by the dean because he wanted like one last big score before right. retiring. And so he intended to rip those other guys off. It wasn't sure. just the con... Uh, Vernon's crew that had stabbed him in the back. It was also to get two million dollars to be able to split between the two. Well, sure. I mean, this, this is dipping into my questions, but I was just wasn't sure if those other guys at the table, because everyone knows who the dean is. He's like, oh, the dean. We're gonna play with the dean. It's exciting. Do this they was, just think he's a great poker player, or that, do you think they would know what what his no, reputation see, I, is? I I think most people think he's just a great player, not a cheat. Okay, I guess that explains. Which it. I'm I'm not sure that's really believable. But now as we're kind of working our way through and we got to the end, I realized we skipped over two characters we should at least acknowledge. One being Hal Holbrook, who plays a, I guess it's the resident resident chief or chief uh, emeritus magician yeah. at the, uh, I almost going to call it the Gothic Castle, but it's not the Gothic Castle. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about Arrested Development. Uh, That's exactly what I have in my magic notes. Magic Castle. Uh, no, it's the it's the Gothic Castle in Arrested Development, which gets oh, changed to okay. the Gothic asshole. Yeah. <laughs> they don't actually use the real Magic Castle. I thought the, I thought it was the, the Magic Castle. And it, it's Arrested a, I mean, it's a it's, it's a play it's on okay. it. I mean, the the movie absolutely is filmed at the real Magic Castle, right? Which which I I had to look up because I'm just like because at some point the, the 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 crew finds out the mob wants them dead because Jamie Foxx was well, was gambling to, with yeah. the mob's money and they try and kill Charlie at the Chinese restaurant right and they barely get away the, 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 they kill be real 
from uh, Cypress Hill. <laughs> yes. I was watching this movie because Be Real from Cypress Hill plays one of these mob enforcers. I don't think he even has a line. But I was uh, watching this. I think he does. Maybe he does. I don't remember. But I was watching this movie going, who's this Be Real looking MFR? And then in the credits, <laughs> Be Real. Oh, I guess I guess I was right. I was Cypress I was, Hill. <laughs> we're looking in your direction. <laughs> It's, was it? They ordered the the, the London Who Philharmonic Orchestra. The London Philharmonic Orchestra, possibly, possibly well high. high. Cypress Hill. Oh, oh, we we may have done that. Yeah, yeah, we think we did. <laughs> do you guys know Insane in the Brain? We mostly do classical music. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was I was sarcastically calling the character Be Real in my notes, and then I discovered in the credits that it was played awesome. by Be Real. Anyway, uh, yeah, there's that shootout, and they run away, and they in the, and uh, um, the mechanic Vernon. <laughs> I almost said Victor again. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I got a place where we can hide out, and then they just cut to the magic castle, like we're supposed to know what it is. And I'm watching, going like, this movie is clearly telling me this is a significant place, but I have no idea what they're telling me, and I had to look it up. So what's funny to me is I had to look it up because I actually thought the real place. I thought the Gothic Castle actually was a real magic place. <laughs> That's funny. It totally makes sense that, that this movie, because I'm sure the director and writer probably either worked there or spent time at yeah. the Magic Castle. Totally my, makes sense. My understanding is he was a big wheel at the Magic Castle. Yeah, so it, it makes total sense. But what's funny is I had to look it up, too, because I, of course, thought that the Arrested Development reference was the actual <laughs> real place. See, and I... I, I Assumed that Arrested Development said Magic Castle. No, it's, okay. it's Gothic it because okay. no, because you know the setup for that joke then later, right? I mean, it's been a while. All right. Well, the the setup is is that Tobias wants to go to the Gothic Castle, which is where Job's magic performance. Oh yes, is I remember. To be. I know the mix up. Yes. Yeah, and the mix up, and so the reason it needs to be Gothic is that makes it more believable that it would be like a BDSM oh, place sure, that yeah. he would go to, as opposed to the Magic Castle. <laughs> That's why it has to be Gothic in Arrested. Well, it could Development. be a Magic BDSM oh, place. <laughs> Whatever. So then there's one other character. You want to talk about somebody that doesn't make any sense why they're in the movie. And then the reveal that all of that somehow he was in on this scam is the crooked vice cop. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. That guy made no. You want to talk. I don't know if he's a Zeus of the movie, but he definitely did not need to be in this movie. Yeah. Well, I had a question about that. Do you want to talk about it now? Just like what was his role? Because it's like. They, they, they I don't his- know what he did. He got money. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, why did he get a cut? And then Stallone specifically says, it's a good thing you brought him in. It's like, why? Well, I can tell you why, because he wound up then being a... Because, you know, let, let's wait until the, till, till the, the next segment. Okay. But yeah, basically they set up this game, and it turns out that uh, the Dean and uh, Vernon... Not Victor. Yes. Uh, it's gonna, I'm going to have to pause for a second every time. Uh, but the Dean and Vernon are actually in on it, because there's a hand where... Uh, Vernon, like, you know, he, he palms a card and, oh, it looks like he's going to lose, but, oh, it, it was actually three of a kind, but then the Dean also does it. Yeah, and, and the I, way, so the, the, the ultimate reveal is, is that allegedly the Dean is marking cards that if you only, you can only see it if you unfocus your eyes. So I was just thinking of Costanza walking into that bathroom. <laughs> so if sure. you unfocus your eyes, you can see it. And so he shows it to Tiffany and Charlie, and that's what gets them convinced that they're going to be able to take him down and right. put in the last of their money. Right. And in the end, because Vernon and the Dean were working together, Vernon makes it seem like he's got a hand that can't be beat because he, he cheats and switches out his card right. and makes it seem like instead of an eight or whatever that it was, he actually had the four of a kind. 
What was was it, it a four of a kind? Or no, was no, no, no. That, in that case, for, for once, it was not a four of a kind. In that case, uh, uh, <laughs> Vernon... <laughs> I almost said it again. We've been saying his name over and over. Uh, Vernon had, had a pair, and he gave himself three of a kind... That's, and, that's right. And the dean had two pair, and he gave himself three of a kind. That's but right. To hire, uh, three, hire three, three queens instead of three jacks. I'm pretty sure it was what, what it was. Yeah. Because, yeah, if I remember correctly, they were playing five-card stud, and the dean had pocket kings, and so he was betting like crazy because he had a strong hand, whereas uh, Vernon had nothing. And then on, a, on the last card, Vernon gave himself a pair. What was it? A pair, pair of... Yeah, he had a pair of jacks. That's right, because then uh, Dean's like, oh, last time I checked, those these my ladies beat your jacks. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm going to bet anyway, and yeah, that's that's how it played out. But in the end, it was just one giant scam of Tiffany and Charlie. Yeah, to take and their those money. poor other saps at the table, and then uh, the mob boss just absolves them of their debt for some reason. Just like get out of town, I never want to see you again. Like, <laughs> He's a very Molini is a very magnanimous. Yeah. Well, because there, there is a, a, a standoff. Like, everyone pulls their guns. Oh, these are the guys that, that owe you this money. And everyone pulls their guns, and you think it's going to be this big shootout. Well, that, and it's like, no, we'll just play poker, and that's it. No, and, well, that's actually the reason why I say that the the, vi- the crooked vice cop, why they say it's a good thing you brought them, is because they don't... Uh, the, they're not going to shoot anybody with the cop there? No, that- it's because the only person with a gun on Vernon's side, or even the Dean's side, is Tandy Newton. And yeah. There's like three guns pointed at her. That's one of my, my notes that's annoying. Is like, I'm not sure. Even though they had it, she had Max. Yeah, Malini. she was pointed at the mob bus. Though. Okay, so what? There's three versus one. But whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it ended up not mattering because everyone just decided to put down their guns and, oh, let's play well, poker. Well, they, they allowed the last hand to go forward. Right. That's really what it was. Yeah, but anyway, that, that's it. That's the plot. Let's move you, on. You ready for technology? Uh, I have nothing, but sure. It's already up in the cloud. 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 At this point, I would say maybe we should talk about you know retiring this segment, but I really do like the stinger that I made of uh, you know Rocky in the Cloud. So I, I don't want to lose that. Are you saying that I don't add any value when I bring my technology to the table? Even though no, you I'm don't not. Want I mean, to? I'm glad you have something because I I have one tiny note and that's it. All right. Well, I'm not Wait, sure my notes are that we, big. We, oh no, never mind. This is the correct order. I thought we skipped something, but we didn't. Uh, no, the little details will be after that's, technology. Yes, that's next. So technology, the segment of the show where we discuss how changes in technology may have impacted the plot uh, or other items just within the movie. I'll say on this one, the plot wouldn't be uh, affected by any of the ones I came up with. I just noticed things that would be different today. Okay. What would be different? You start, I have one thing and it's not even really much. All right. Well, this actually, the first one might in- impact the plot a little bit, but it's a plot... F- point that you could pull out of the movie and it wouldn't change it that much anyway. I said that today, because $82,000 is a lot of money, but for, for Jennings to basically, for him to get killed and also to, to think it's like the end of the world, today he th- there's online lenders. You can borrow like a hundred grand overnight with just a credit score. Jennings would just go take care and go get Molini's money online like the same day. I don't know if I agree with that because he's a professional gambler, I would assume. He makes his money gambling. No. Jennings? He, Jennings what says he, do for he, he said he work he works for he does something for Molini. He's, he's a, a bag, bag man. man. He's a yeah, bag he's man. A, he's carrying the mob's money. Yes. But regardless, he's not he's not really as far as credit 
institutions are concerned, what is his income? What is his credit? You know, I'm going to tell you, what is his credit score going to be? Some of those maybe online lenders. I mean, I guess if he's if if he's paying his credit cards, maybe that'd be enough. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I I guess so. I'm just saying, if if it was a number like two hundred and fifty thousand or like five, you know, if it. I'm not saying eighty-two thousand dollars is not eighty-two five hundred. It's not a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I'm just saying that today he'd be able. He would be able to make that money appear a lot faster today than you could have in two thousand four. You're not just going online and getting a loan for a hundred grand. Well, my thinking was, why isn't he pitching to these guys? Hey, I'm a great poker player. I'll win it back and I'll pay you back. He That's tried. your best. Well, I don't think he ever really says that. He does. Like, he oh, tries. Really to, got me. He tries to give an IOU to the character actor from. Uh, from Memento, he I, I know you know his name. I, I forgot his name. I, I don't know his name. Oh. I never said his name. So he tries to give oh, him. Oh uh, I- yeah, Mark Boone Jr. Yeah, he tries to give him an IOU. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the one of the mob guys. But yeah, no. and during the poker game, yes, because he bets all this money. He goes, oh no, this is not my money to bet, and he tries to take. Yeah, it Yeah, and like that was pretty. That should have been pretty apparent. Like who he worked for. I'm not sure that. No, they don't. The, Vernon and, and Charlie, they don't know that, he, that Jennings works no. for Malini. And it was, it was like very obvious to me when he was freaking out that it wasn't his money. He's like, yeah, that's clearly dirty money that he shouldn't be losing. And Charlie's under, understandably upset at Tiffany for not finding this out. Like, you were that. the one working him. You know, this is, this <laughs> this is, is your, your job. job. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't think he ever pitched, I think... When when the mob guys were were driving him around, he should have been like, "I will win this money back. Just give me a little steak, or you know, I'll I'll you know sell something and I'll work the tables and I'll I'll have this money back. You know, give me a couple he, weeks." He does. It, he makes that pitch that he would replace the money. They just they weren't happy. Yeah, but he, it, he never says how. He should have tried, he should have been pitching himself as I'm a great poker player. And but is you he want a great me alive? Poker player? Well, probably not. But he thinks he is. That's my point. He's a good talker. That's for sure. Yeah, because you know, he only. He only had four girlfriends in his life. Yes, and they were all tens. <laughs> when he has his hand of four tens that was beaten by Mark Boone Jr.'s four jacks. They were all named Jack. <laughs> yeah, and she, they were all sleeping with a guy yeah. named Jack. Uh, anyway. All right, so my next note is, again, this doesn't change the plot, but uh, and it's somewhat of a technological... There's a lot of smoking in this movie, and I said, oh, that would all be vaping today. There, there'd be no cigarettes whatsoever today. There's not only a lot of smoking in this movie, there's a lot of commentary about how smoking is basically fine. Like in the last scene of the movie where he's smoking and this waitress comes by, you know, you're not supposed to smoke indoors. And it's like, Oh, she does. Like, it's fine. This is a stupid law. Anyway, she just walks away. <laughs> I didn't I was like, is this the movie's that. message? Is Cause also he had quit smoking at some point and now he's smoking again. And the movie's like, yeah, that's fine. He's yeah. He's, he's a cool guy. He's smoking now. It's kind of the way the movie feels. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wonder how much, uh, vaping, how much vape culture and modern poker, underground poker culture overlaps? There might there not probably be much. Is a, eh, You think so? It, there probably is a fair amount. All right. I'm I, curious. It's funny. I was, I was actually, uh, I mean, it wasn't underground, but uh, just before all the, the COVID madness happened, I was planning to enter a, a local poker tournament and just, really? just for fun. Interesting. And Where then, at? Now I can't in Aurora. Oh. So that's a that's, bummer. That's not underground. That's, that's a legit like casino, but... Yeah, when when all this is over, I'll I'll do it. I, I was just now, even before watching this movie, I've been thinking about uh, I want to play more poker and start entering some poker tournaments. I would get destroyed. I kn- I fully know that. You know, like I, I wouldn't last an hour or two. Yeah, but it's to have 
Yeah, it's, to it's, do something you want to do. It, it's it's the risk. Well, we'll talk about that later. The, the quote right. at the beginning. Uh, well, that's I, I after after the show. I want to hear more about that. All right, so there's nothing to tell because now we can't leave our houses, so I can't go play poker. Well, maybe you're like I don't know, honing your skills online or something. I don't know. I'm not playing online. I don't trust online. Okay. I thought that was my technology note. Is so much of this stuff has moved online to online poker, and it's actually a lot easier to cheat in online poker. There was a big scandal like eight nine years ago about the rampant cheating in online poker. I mean, I know some sites have a better reputation than others, and there are ways for them to try to crack down on that stuff, but by and large, all you have to do is register five accounts, take all five accounts, sit down at the same table, one sucker comes in, and now it's five on one, and you know all the cards. That's what people do, and that's why well, I, don't, I don't trust online poker. Well, isn't that the rule, though, if you sit down at the table and can't figure out who the sucker is? Well, yes, but if you're if you, that's not how it's supposed to work, where it's you, you, yeah, you are five people, or you have you there know, should be people. legitimately five people sitting. Yes, at the table. Should, you, you shouldn't know five hands worth of data of information versus that guy's one. It's not like blackjack where you can play three hands at a time. Then blackjack doesn't matter. I just don't poker. understand how the how a site couldn't block and it be readily apparent. No, that I think coming that, from IP addresses or something. Well, I mean, you can spoof IP addresses or go I through, uh, um, you know, whatever. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't remember. There's ways to to get around it. Uh, they they try to combat it, but I don't think it's foolproof. I don't trust online poker. That's, let me put it that way. All right, that, not, well, not enough fair. to bet real money. All right, so my last one is actually. Um, it, it's somewhat quaint to see a lot of phone calls happening in movies because today everything is text. Yeah, that's true. So that <laughs> it would be a lot more texting and a lot less phone calls. Who was it? Was it Steven Seagal, mob guy? Someone's phone rings and they don't. And everything's flip phones. This is the era, era yeah. of flip phones, and he doesn't flip up the phone. He just holds the closed phone to his ear and says, hello, and just is talking to. Are obvious. you serious? I'm pretty sure one character just doesn't know how how flip phones work. Well, not all of them were flip phones though, because some of them were like the Nokia candy bar that you would just. I, this one in particular, you could it see was a clamshell. You could see the clamshell, and he's just not opening it up. He's just talking <laughs> into the case. <laughs> That's not how a phone works. Yeah, I think it was Steven Seagal, the guy. I think that was another choice, actually. That could be. He's a very odd guy. He was just having a conversation yeah. with himself. At the end of the day, as like creep, I don't know if that guy was going for like a Hannibal Lecter thing. Like, I think he was trying to be creepy. But at the end of the day, he was actually kind of helpful. Where he tells uh, Miller, like, "Oh, by the way, I'm gonna oh, give you a little information." Oh, he about does that. Yeah, he, that that's his. He's trying to give some comeuppance. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't show the ending, but I don't think things end very well for Tiffany. No, probably not. She managed to uh, steer clear of the wrath of that mob boss, and suddenly uh, this this is happening. Because, yeah, the, the guy reveals that she was the one who tipped off the mob. That Yeah, uh, so they'd know how to find Charlie. Yeah, so they'd know where that money went. Yeah. Are you ready for the little details? Yep. All right. Do it. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. All right, the little details. This is the segment of the show where we discuss minutia and minute details that we found interesting in the movie. What do you want to lead sure. off with? Uh, I will lead off with that flashback at the beginning of the movie where uh, the, the Dean... The Dean, yes, the card uh, game. Yeah, the card game. And there's a point where there's a big shootout because they catch him cheating and all hell breaks loose. Yep. And there's one extra that... I you know I I love background extras. I want to compile my list of the greatest background extras in movie history. I have a feeling I know where you're going because <laughs> it's not my first note, but it might be my second. But okay. I want to go. It's it's this might be on the list of w- the worst extras in uh, movie history. Shootout is happening, and then there's a guy in the background who just who can't stop doing the monkey. 
he's shooting it's, like it's, no it's not the background he's in he's He's well, like, fair enough. He, he doesn't have a line. A, no, so he's, he's, a, he's, he's an Buckman. extra, but he's not a background extra. You're right. He isn't, he isn't foregrounded. He has a pretty much a close-up of him shooting in a way. <laughs> he's he's just moving his arms up and down crazily. He, I mean, he. It, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is as this is minutia, but it is one of the funniest. He's just, I don't know what this guy is doing. How this ended up in the movie. I, I'm really aggravated. I know that I had... Oh, here we go. It actually was. It was my second. So my first note was uh, RKO pictures right out of the start. I oh. thought I was watching Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's some shell company probably owns the name or something. Yeah. Oh, we can so, tack it on this. But, but my next note was, I said, I love the acting choices by the shooter with two guns by the bar. It's like he's dance- He's go-go dancing <laughs> with two pistols. It's amazing. That's all I could think of when he was doing that. Can't stop doing the monkey. <laughs> See, you're, uh, you take offense to that. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie was that guy. No, I didn't take offense to it. I was just like, why? That doesn't seem to belong in... You know, there's it's so the, goofy. My next note, there's a lot in this shootout scene. Because uh, Did you happen to notice there's s- such a hail of gunfire that money is actually chopped up into pieces? Did right. you happen to notice that? Uh, I mean, yeah. But the best part is is that there's actually one piece that just happens to be right up in the Dean's hair, and I could oh. not stop laughing at <laughs> I, that. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, there's like a small piece that's up in his hair. Uh, I, I actually have one more on that scene. Oh, go ahead then. All right, I had a real tough time. So the the dean, it, before he gets a chance to cheat, who he the, it's a table of four players, but there's only one with dialogue. I have a very difficult time taking a tough mob guy seriously when he was the fresh fish in the Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, he I was. had a real tough time taking, and it's not it's not anything the actors do. It's not fair. Yeah, but when. I mean, honestly, when you know somebody from you know, I, one of the most famous movies in movie history, it's very difficult to see them as anything else. Yeah. There was no way I was taking this guy seriously as a tough mobster. I, I fresh fish. Fresh fish. <laughs> I forget what happens to him in Shawshank. He, he gets basically beaten to death by the guards. Cause he, he, it's been a while since I watched yeah, it. Yeah, he, he gets beaten to death by the guards. Okay. I was going to say, I, I, it does I, not I didn't end think well. It ended well, no. yeah. He takes a savage beating and, and dies in the infirmary. Uh, all right, I'll go next. So I want to talk about, there's a shot of Gabriel Byrne walking into some club, and he's just, he knows everybody, and there's an there's a underground casino down in the basement, so that's where he's headed. But in the club itself, before he gets down to that underground illegal casino, there's just women, there's like strippers oh, you- in like lycra boxes up in the ceiling. <laughs> What is this? What a strange club. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was a dance club, not a strip club. It, it's an extremely strange club. And I and we'll skip to one of my questions. My question is, does Charlie own like a portion of the club? Because he walks in. It's like the Copacabana yeah. you know, sequence from Goodfellas and yes. not nearly as good as the Copacabana. But it's a similar vibe, yeah. No, like all the way down to you know, two of the people are like making out that were. I mean, one hundred percent, it felt like Ray Liotta is walking through the Copacabana. Right. But pull that back. Charlie is you know shaking hands, and the girls are like, "Hey, Charlie!" Everybody's so great. And what's funny is the further I got in the movie, I'm like, Charlie's a really unlikable person. I don't believe that opening. Yeah, that's so the thing. So does he own a portion of the club? That was the only like logical conclusion that yeah, I could come to. Th- this movie can't decide whether Charlie is like this likable man about town or whether he's a scumbag, like small-time con man. 
He seems like he's both, like, at the same time. It would make sense if he had ownership of this, like, casino that's operating down there. Like, that would, that seems like a thing that he would do. He would con, you know, make some money conning people and invest it in this place and just collect the rake. It is a strange club, to say the least. Yeah. And there, <laughs> the least like, strange thing is that underground casino. There's nudity for no reason. Right. What is the appeal? It's like in, like, corridors. You're walking through a corridor, and then above you are just two, like, naked women in a box, in like a glass box. <laughs> They're in a glass box of emotion. <laughs> like what, maybe, what, maybe. what is the appeal? You, you got to crane your neck? Like, what? They're trying to reinvent the strip club? No. They don't. I don't think strip but clubs now, needed to be reinvented. I'm, I'm thinking of like go-go dancers, actually, but but it's reminding me of that guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. doing the monk. If they had, if they'd had go-go dancers, he would have been a perfect fit. He would have been 30 years older or 40 years older or whatever. All right. Anyway, speaking of that under, underground casino, I just want it made me think of another underground casino we've seen in a movie we've covered, and I was trying to remember the details of this one. So, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Raw Deal. Tears up an underground casino at one point. Oh, man. I forgot you remember, that. He flips over, I yeah. think, a craps table. Yes. I and didn't see a craps table in this casino. So no. I, I See, I this this looked like it was really mostly a poker room, but I did see people playing blackjack. I saw there are three tables, and that's it. So there's one poker table, there's one blackjack table, and there was one roulette wheel. Oh, I didn't see the roulette wheel. I okay. think that's all it was. I, and I think you're right. Uh, my memory is spotty. We probably did Raw Deal like four years ago now. Yeah, it's been a long but time. But I think it was a craps table because I'm like, <laughs> that's telling you how crazy strong they're saying Arnold is. Yes, yes, he yes. just flipped over a craps <laughs> yes. table. That's no joke. Those things are huge yeah, and yeah. have to weigh a ton. It was definitely a craps table. You're right, because it, was, it wasn't a roulette wheel. It was no, no wheel. So. It was a craps table. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that just goes to show this underground casino seemed pretty crappy compared to Raw Deal. Yes. The Raw Deal had like, like 50, 60 people in there, and this place just was like, was like five people. Yeah, and my, most of them were at that poker table. Yeah. All right. So, the intro, I got two things on the intro credits. One, this was produced by Merv Griffin. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> You know, he's trying to you know branch out from his uh, TV roots. But so the I already had, uh, had said how they 100% Zombieland ripped off that that opening scam. So this, the way the scam works is that uh, Tandy Newton drives up and she says that she oh I lost my you know a thousand dollar engagement ring and leaves her phone number to call with you know a reward of paying a thousand dollars right and the way the scam works then is that the, your partner then goes and finds the basically plastic ring I right. mean, it's not a plastic ring and cuts a deal with the sap you know who will buy it for a hundred or two hundred dollars yeah. it's just got to hold up the scrutiny for like 10 seconds yeah. while you make this transaction and get out of there so with that Gabriel Burns outfit as like a streetwalker <laughs> yeah, and his wig and his wig. It remind me actually of John Wick two. And I'm like, is he working for the Bowery King at some point? <laughs> sure, that's yeah. what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah. It's just like the kind of scams that they would be running also. Yeah. The Bowery guys. Uh, and I normally, I won't do this, but I'm going to call this out anyway, because probably in this scene, actually in the entire movie, I normally will not do this, but Tandy Newton looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, in this movie. She does. Uh, That's why I said, you know, 2003 Tandy Newton, you can't beat that when, when, we, when you pick this. Yeah, well, I mean, Mission Impossible 2 was, what, a year or two before this? Uh, was it before? I think so. I think it was 2002. Because that was when I noticed Tandy Newton. Oh, yeah. I was like, who is that? <laughs> that one, that's the Kicks Impossible movie. Because it, <laughs> I just re- watched that clip recently. <laughs> Did you really? I, I don't know why. I don't remember why. Yeah. We ought to call it Kicking Impossible. Everything's kick, kick, kick. 
I am not a fan of the MTV Movie Awards, but oh, that's, that's, for that's the existence segment. of no, but for the existence of that skit that Ben yeah. Stiller did, it is worth it. The MTV because him is Tom Cruise, C R O O Z E or whatever it is. But I love it. Yeah, we should just call another kick in this movie. We should call it Kicks Impossible. And to be honest, he has a point. There really is a lot of kicking in that movie. Mission Impossible Two is not great. Danny Newton looks great in Mission Impossible. Yeah. No, that's the most memorable thing in that movie is Danny Newton and also Dugway Scott pulling off a million masks. Oh, that one does have a ridiculous amount of masks. So many it? masks. <laughs> I forgot. So many it's masks. like every time. Every scene. It's like you can't trust it. That's going to be someone else because every scene ends with someone is, being like, ha ha, it was me. It's either a kick or a mask. <laughs> yes. I want to watch Mission Impossible 2 now. I watched it like a year ago. It was not good. All right, so anyway, I, I was thinking John Wick 2 with Gabriel Byrne's introduction. He, he's working for the Bowery King. Yeah. Well, speaking of Gabriel Byrne, I want to compliment his impression of that dirty cop because I found it very funny. It was pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to rub your asshole, whatever he said. What did he say? What was the, <laughs> what was the expression? <laughs> There's no way. There was some I, weird thing I, he said about his I asshole. I think, hold on, I think I read it, wrote it down either in my, my questions or... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you have the exact expression, I would like to know it because I don't remember it. And yeah, that was probably way more lewd than what he said. But but uh, it was very strange. It was a strange turn of phrase that the cop said, and then Gabriel Byrne <laughs> repeats it back, imitating that guy. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah, find it. I want to know what it was. I do. <laughs> it's a great phrase. What Are you is ready the phrase? Yes, I am. Because I fo- I was gonna post it as a question to you. I probably have it in my notes somewhere, but go ahead. <laughs> you can't get it out. It must be pretty good. <laughs> because my question to you was, how does one person dial another person's Oh, ass- dial your asshole. That's right. I'm going to dial your asshole. That's right. What's the whole expression? There's more to it than that, isn't there? No. I'm going to dial your asshole. I think he says, when I want your opinion, I'll dial your asshole is what I think okay. he says. Yes. That sounds right. Yeah. And then Gabriel Byrne, once, once the cop leaves, that was the funny part to me. I'll dial your asshole. It was a great impression. Yeah. But it's the line is even better. I know. I'm going to have a lot of work to uh, get the verbal morality statutes in this episode. Oh, there's going to be... I'm going to be busy. There's going to be a lot. Okay. Uh, some of these I, I already covered. I covered the four four girlfriends. Here's one thing I did know. So after Jamie Foxx loses, uh, loses that, and he doesn't know, they, they go and then meet up at that same underground casino. Right. Uh, the bar. I love that you get back-to-back... And the re- actually, I like Jamie Foxx's reaction the best, is that first Gabriel Byrne pats him on the back kind of hard and says, don't worry about it, we'll get you in the next time. Yeah, yeah. And then Vernon comes in and does the same thing. And the second time, Jamie Foxx looks just furious. Yeah. Like, these guys better not touch me again. Yeah, why are these guys touching or, or me? they're coming back with a stump. Yeah. I did notice that, too. I think that was a very a, funny reaction. That, that was a really good choice by Jamie yeah, Foxx. Yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of Jamie Foxx, uh, I want to talk about how bad Jamie Foxx, the actor, is whenever it comes to poker stuff. Because I don't think Jamie Foxx did enough research or practice when it comes to dealing cards and stuff okay. like that. Because, okay, here's here's my notes on this. Because when he is in that game where he loses all that money, it's on his deals. That's part of the con is, well, I'm dealing, so obviously this isn't rigged, but they swap the decks. And so he's dealing, and I think it's after the guy swaps the decks and he like fakes like he cut the cards. 
Jimmy Fox f- totally bonks the deck, and like f- the top twelve cards just flip up for like a split second. And it's like right there, miss deal. I don't know about anybody else, but when I'm playing poker, I'm watching the deck. <laughs> you know, I am watching that deck, and if something weird happens, I'm gonna say no. That's a miss deal. We're moving on. So right there, I mean, it's, it's a con anyway. So they want to make sure he deals this hand, so they're not gonna say anything. But that's number one. I'm just saying, Jimmy Fox didn't seem like he was comfortable with the cards. Well, also, I have a note here about Jimmy Fox's horrible poker face. Oh, he, I missed that. He deals himself three kings, and he does a full auga, like, like that. <laughs> I want to go back and watch. You know what I'm thinking of now? Smashing Major League is when Wesley Snipes realizes he didn't get cut. But yes, he, yes. <laughs> yes. It goes outside. That's what I'm envisioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has that vibe for sure. Just, but that's Wesley Snipes trying to re- repress yes. how he's feeling. Yeah. There's no repressing. He's just like, "Wow, what a hand!" Like his expression, wowza. his expression hubba, is a hubba. it's a full wowza. His expression, like he does not, you know, there's an expression in poker face. It's all it's a big part of the game. It's not just a song, <laughs> no. by Lady Gaga. It's kind of an essential thing to not give away when you have a good hand. That's why I can't play poker. But then, um, well, that's interesting. Oh, I'm too readable. There's just no way. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't. I can't play poker. I don't know if I've ever played poker with you. I guess not. No, I don't, I don't re- generally play because I'm. There's just no. There's no way. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. But then, okay, so then they're playing five card draw. So Mark Boone Jr. and there's another guy who's still in the hand, and they they want cards. And when Jamie Foxx deals the 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 other guy, the third guy. His he he asks for one card, fully flips it up before so the whole so everyone can see it. I didn't notice. It was like a five of clubs. I just, I was, that was a that was a low club. I was, it wasn't sure if it was like a five or a six, but it's like okay, I know that it was a small club for sure. I saw that watching this movie, and then when he deals himself the four of a kind, even bigger reaction. Like his poker face is a disaster. So anyway, so what you're saying is he get what he deserved. Kinda. If if they hadn't been scamming him, they would have taken him for everything he's got because he has a terrible poker face. So I just uh, comments on Jamie Foxx's poker okay. acting. All right, I, I, did, I was not impressed by it. Well, I like uh, the vil- so after that that loss, he's at an actual strip club, not not the the gla- the the plexiglass, right? A traditional but, strip club, yeah. not an experimental yeah. strip club. And again, more nudity for no reason, just to put it in the movie. Yeah. Whatever. So Jamie Foxx, Jennings is there, and the mob enforcers, right? <laughs> Cypress Hill. Cypress and Hill and Steven Seagal. Steven yeah. Seagal show up. And what's great, so they're basically saying, you know, hey, we, you know, we, we need to go, you know, we need to not run errands, but basically you got to come We're going to take you to the boss. Yeah, take and, you to the and boss. And they drive for two days and then shoot him. Yes, but what's great is that Jamie Foxx, Jennings leaves a tip for the bartender. It's like 10 bucks. It's a total villain move. The villain... <laughs> Steven Seagal takes the $10. Oh, I missed I'm that. I'm like, what a jerk move. I mean, actually, it's great for, like, a, a villain. It's kind of... But I'm like, the bartender shouldn't get... The bartender didn't do anything. He just took their money. I missed that. But it makes total sense because, like, this guy owes us $80,000. Here's a start. I'm going to take the 10 bucks. Exactly. You know? Now you owe us $79,990. All right. <clears throat> okay. Um, this movie... Like I said, I was more or less okay with... Besides the cheating, okay with the way this movie presented poker uh, as someone who has played a lot of poker in my life. But this movie has two did two things that are always a pet peeve of mine in poker movies. You you reacted like you had one. No, it's oh, okay. not. I got I got something else that I'm I'm hoping you you didn't reference a cameo that you should have been really excited about. And I just I oh maybe you should explain that first before I get into my my poker pet peeves. Who is the cameo? 
Isn't Tony Burton in this movie? Oh, it's, yes. Tony, okay, yes. Okay. Right. I mean, that, I was very excited about that, yes. That right, comes sorry. much later. Yeah, and I, I'm right. going in, in, in okay. chronological. Yeah, I do have a note saying Tony Burton. Okay. I was sorry. excited, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I, even though he's got... It's a nothing part. It I really enjoyed... Is, it really is a nothing part. <laughs> I don't know any... Uh, what's Mr. Hemingway. Mr. Hemingway, yes. Yeah. I have a question of why it's Mr. Hemingway, by the way. I thought it was because the guy who from Texas kind of looked like uh, he had a big bushy mustache. Well, I don't know. No, because that's just the password to be able to get up to the room. Yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway, nice. poker pet peeves. So Jamie Fox, when he ha- when he thinks he's won this big hand, and he shows his four of a kind, and he's just like ha ha ha, and he grabs all the chips, and the guy's like, no, nope, wait, 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 I have actually won. That drives me crazy in poker movies. You don't it's, touch it's, the money until you know for sure you've won. Yeah, and it seems like. Every, maybe not every, but many movies that are focused around poker do this, and it's kind of annoying. It's a cliche, and it, it's yeah. not at all, Reality. I mean, that, 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 is, that is the worst poker etiquette of like, I'm going to take this money, I, didn't, I haven't seen your hand yet. Right. Especially in a five-card draw where you don't know anything about the other guy's cards. If it was like, if it was Texas Hold'em or Omaha or something right, like that. Right, where you know the statistics of yes, what likely they I are. I have the nuts, I know this for certain. Statistically, this is the best hand on the board. Therefore, I don't need to see your cards. I know I've won. Yeah, okay, fine. But in this, in a five card draw, you have no idea what the other. You need to see. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, it. it, it you're right. It, it happens in so many poker movies, and I, it drives me crazy. And then my other poker movie pet peeve is this happens in the the end end uh, poker game where they're just going. Eh, this feels like three hundred thousand, and just pushing oh. a big pile of chips. <laughs> Count your chips. You would never get away with this in any poker game, it official feels, or unofficial. It feels like. Yeah. This seems like about this much. Like that, that So many poker movies. They do that in Maverick, I think. Eh, let's call this uh, a million dollars. I just watched it recently, actually for a different different reason, not poker. Ah. Casino Royale, I think, I think they are pretty oh. accurate, very accurate in, in that movie. In terms of uh, the dollar, Yeah, the dollar amounts. I think... The, I think I don't think they just... I think there's an estimate at some point. That, that, that looks like about $2 million. Someone kind of hand waves away. Really? I think at some point. I thought... I'll have to watch it again. I thought because they know the dollar amounts of everybody that's in, that they they know when it's down to the two of them, they know... Well, actually, no, the final hand is four of them. I take that back. The yeah. Fi- the final hand is, is four of them between Bond, Lashif, and the two guys. The two other guys, the two other guys. that aren't. Um, well, no, I think Felix is in the final hand. So no, I think I think Felix is out because he stakes. Oh yeah, bond. he stakes bond. He stakes bond. You're He's right. out. You're it's right. the two. It's the two. It's uh. It's the the the. I think Japanese guy and uh uh. Oh, I don't remember who the other guy is. Like the big fat guy. Yeah. 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 And then Lashif. Okay. So you're right. There, if there is an estimate, it's unfair because if it was one, you know, one on one, then you you know how much money went into the pot originally, and you probably know who has what. But, but with four players, I don't think you necessarily know. Isn't that also a, a poker hand, much like the end of Maverick, where like two of them have four of a kind, and then uh, Lashif has a straight flush, and Vaughn has a royal flush, or something like that? It wasn't a I don't royal remember. flush. I, I think Bond wins with a straight flush is what I because he he had he was cool hand Luke he was I, and I don't know poker nearly as well as you and certainly probably some listeners I wouldn't call myself an expert but, but I, I no, play my fair I, share of poker I think Bond winds up with a straight flush and he was playing like a five and a seven and got the straight it's like yeah, there's something he shouldn't be playing at all he should have folded before the flop yes, yes because he had nothing and then yeah, he lucks into the best hand yeah yes. yeah you're right it's something like that yeah he it's literally not, is cool hand Luke that's something. 
sometimes nothing is a real cool. But I, yeah, I don't think of Casino Royale as a poker movie. It's a movie with poker in it, so yeah. I can forgive a lot when it comes to poker right, in a fair. movie like that. Whereas there is a lot of poker in that movie. Though. There's a lot of poker in that movie. Yeah, it, it's it's not the best, most accurate poker movie. I would say it's funny. Nobody the, nobody's betting. Nobody's bets make sense. It only makes sense for the plot, not for the actual game. It's funny though. The reason I, it's not because of this movie. I went back and watched it. We were, uh, my wife and I were watching an episode of The Office that opens up with uh, three of them doing parkour everywhere, which is them just basically uh, seen, like rolling around. I've seen that clip. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm like, I sh- told my wife, I'm like, let me actually show you what like real parkour. I mean, she kind of had an idea, but let me. I'm like, here's what real parkour is. It is pretty funny what they're doing, which is basically just rolling around. Yeah. All right, so I I want to give uh, some credit to Hal Holbrook in this, or at least the character. Sure. The back and forth. So he his character. Uh, was a mentor to Vernon and you know taught him a lot of being a mechanic and is disappointed that he's choosing to use his uh, skills and abilities to basically be a grifter and work with Charlie Miller, who is just a user and doesn't like Miller at all. So Halbrick at every turn, you know, gives yeah. the little bit of dialogue he has is the zing Miller and he has two absolute Miller. I'm surprised you're still alive. Yeah, hey, there's some loose change there on the floor. He's an absolute great singer <laughs> yeah, from yeah. Al Holbrook. It's a good way to shoo him away. It's a good line to do. I don't want to talk to you. There's some loose change over there. Yes. Yeah, I wish Hal Holbrook had been in the movie more and had been introduced earlier. Yeah. Because that was finally the point where I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not supposed to like Miller. Because this guy doesn't like Miller, and he's right. clearly like the heart, the conscience of the movie. And like, okay, now I get it. But he's like the talking pie. He's the heart of your movie. <laughs> That's right. You can't lose the barely in it. You can't lose Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook's your heart. He's your heart. Yeah, because he gets introduced even later than Stallone. What's that? Like an hour into the movie? Oh yeah, because they they only go to the Magic Castle to basically hide for a few hours from the mob, right? In a place that nobody will know where to find us. And I'm kind of thinking, well, I don't know if you. If, if you knew anything actually about you, which the mafia does not know about them, I'd say, no, that's a probably logical place in L.A. where you would go would be the Magic Castle. Yeah, but they were behind a rotating bookcase, <laughs> so they'll never get find I them. I kind of want to go to that place. I wonder if the Magic Castle actually has stuff like that. If so, that's cool. I bet you it does. Yeah, I bet, I bet it does, too. I mean that's that's pretty cool. If uh, I mean I I it was one of those things you know it's like when you're like a kid and you like when I when I'm a grown up and I can build my own house I'll have like hidden like rotating bookcases like that. It's like why would you ever do that in real life? But uh, I guess if you're the Magic Castle, why not? Uh, okay, I want to highlight one Jamie Fox line that I thought was funny when they go to the place where there was the uh, the big game and now nothing's there. How did they get into this house? Is this house abandoned? I wasn't entirely clear what the story was there. But anyway, they go there. Oh, this is where this poker game was. And he goes, but they, they had a buffet. <laughs> like, that. like that means anything. I think I have it in my questions of, is this does this make it a legitimate Yeah, in his game? mind. But you're, you're right. No, how could it have been? How could it have disappeared? There was a buffet here. Like that's a permanent <laughs> fixture of this house. It's both the line as written, but it's also Jamie Foxx's delivery. Yeah, he, his delivery. The way he delivers. Oh, man, how? I mean, it, this was legit. They had a buffet. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's it's a talented com- comic actor. It's it turns almost out. kind of like. <laughs> The line is, they thought of everything. It's like he realizes he's been had, <laughs> right, yeah. and they thought of everything down to paying for a buffet. He's kind of impressed. They had a buffet. <laughs> All right. Uh, one, the, the, the guy, the, I don't know the actor's name, but Tony D from Austin, Texas is who I recognize. He's actually in Dumb and Dumber and has 
the the back and forth is one of my favorite lines in Dumb and Dumber because he's digging through the suitcase that's supposed to have a bunch of money. He's like, "What is this? That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for." Okay. So I love Tony D from Austin, Texas. I actually, I think I read. I think this may have been his last movie. I think unfortunately he died relatively young. Um, and, oh, that's and, too bad. And, yeah, died shortly after this movie. Yeah, he's good in this. But so. A, an extra delivery of a line that I love. I one first of all, I like that Gabriel Byrne asked for a receipt. So when they're putting in the money to do the buy-in for the final, you know, for the final poker game, yeah. he asked for a receipt. And I love he Gabriel Byrne somewhere earlier in the sequence says that he doesn't play cards. He, no, I'm a dice man. And there's two reasons I love. I love the way that that actor. Well, he's not an extra, but the way that actor. Yeah. After the game, Dice Man. When he asked for the receipt, the way he says, after the game, Dice Man. But in my head, it also was like, I don't know, for some reason, I started thinking of Andrew Dice Clay. Sure. And I love this idea of Gabriel Byrne being Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. After Andrew Dice Clay's comic career fizzled, this is where he went. This is, this is, uh, He's the Dice Man. Yeah, the Dice Man. Oh. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed that. Yeah, one-line actor... But just delivering perfectly. He got after the all, game. Dice I mean, man. he got all of the one line he got. Yeah, yeah. after the game, Dice Man. That's a guy making the most of his small part. There's no small parts, only small actors. That guy is not a small actor. Uh, okay, I, I, I got one more. So fire away. Yeah, I've got a few got. more, but we're going long. So let me let me. I, I I do want to note how much I like Stallone and Melanie Griffith. It sounded like you didn't like Melanie Griffith, but I thought their relationship was very sweet. Their relationship was sweet. I just felt it was unnecessary. That that's more. She. I won't say a Zeus of the movie because she doesn't really comment on the action, but there's there, there's almost no reason for her being in the movie. Yeah, but I mean, I, I thought it deepened uh, Stallone's story of just like he's been thinking about retiring and here's this girl that he, you know, she got out of the life because, you know, and he, he's been sticking sticking with it. Now that he's going to retire, they can be together. I guess. I thought it was sweet. It, again, I think both of them should have had more screen time. I would have preferred to spend time with characters that I like versus characters that I don't. So, I mean, I think I would have preferred that. But, yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. She doesn't really need to be in this movie. That that was my major beef. Nothing she serves no plot purpose. There's no, no doubt about that. No. But, I mean, I, I did like the performance, and I liked the two of them. So, I, I would not lose it, in right. my opinion. Do you, you have one more? I only got one more. So Go for it, and I'm going to pick. I'll figure out which one. All I'm right. Doing. So, it's actually at the very end, and this is definitely a a movie moment but i like that it's a movie moment that then realizes this only happens in a movie and changes it up so at the end they split up the money between vernon and um oh, stallone's character what the dean the dean they split up the money he's got an actual name but i don't remember it. yeah it doesn't matter yeah so it's at some diner and as you said there's a very pro smoking waitress yes so vernon leaves i think four or five hundred dollars for a tip yeah. And I'm like, God, that's such. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, Vernon looks back at the table and he pulls up. If it was four hundred, he pulled up three hundred. If it was five, he left a hundred, which is still a lot of money. Yes, but he still took money back from the tip. Like I, I get what you're saying. That's, he took money back from the tip, but to me, what I he I just made millions of dollars. I acknowledge from it that only in a movie, I don't care if it's millions of dollars. Only in a movie does somebody leave a five hundred dollar tip. Well, of course. And so what I like is that he, the, the character then realized, yeah, this isn't a movie. This is real life. $100 is still a really big tip. I'm going to leave it. I guess. I did not find that. It's like, why are you doing this? Why is the last moment we're seeing this guy that he's taking money back? Even, even though you're right that what he left it's is still, still an incredible generous. amount of money yeah, yeah. for a tip. 
Because I'm uh, going to guess a diner, whatever he ordered, it was probably 10 bucks. It didn't seem like he really ate it. I think he just had coffee and left. He, he had coffee and took uh, his money and then yeah. got out of there. So whatever. So it, it's obviously, yeah, it's an enormous tip, but why have the moments of... We should be showing that he is giving back all his time he spent, you know, grifting people out of their money, you know, whatever uh, Hal Holbrook says about conning old ladies out of their retirements or whatever. This is him giving... But for him to put money on a table and then take some of it back, it's just whatever. a mixed message, I guess. Right. I, I like that it acknowledged... Only in the movies do people, even if they've just made a million dollars, only in the movies do they leave a $500 tip. I don't know. I mean, uh, famous, wealthy people, I'm sure, leave pretty big tips. Okay, because if you don't... But they have recurring income. This guy, he's just made his one score. He has to live I, off of yeah, the rest of his life. I mean, anyway. the scene sure has been him leaving $100. Like, all right, yeah, he's, he's being generous. I liked it's it. A, yeah. You didn't. That's fine. Whatever. Well, um, what do you got as your last little detail? Let me do two. I lied. Because okay. the one quick one, which was... Because I have, I, I just notice sounds a lot. This movie uses a lot of stock sound effects that I've heard in other things. Oh, I didn't notice. I, I didn't. I didn't start noticing until like halfway through the movie, and then I didn't bother to go back to like pick. But there were definitely more than these two. But the two that I wrote down were there's when there's like little kids running into the casino. He's like, oh, I, I like to better in the mob. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I figured you'd remember that line. The kids are like giggling, and there's a sound effect. It's like hee hee hee, and that sound effect. I don't know which video game it's from. It's either from one of the Roller Coaster Tycoon games or Planet <laughs> Coaster. The sound of children giggling. You hear it a hundred... Whichever game it is, it's a game I played a lot, and it's I, you heard you. it a hundred times, and I was like, that's that sound. That's that children giggling dot wave from <laughs> Roller Coaster Tycoon. That's awesome. Uh, and then the other one, there's a, there's like a sound effect I hear a lot in movies where it's, it's just like a guy going, ugh! And I, and I think it's in trailers a lot, too. It's just like a very specific sound of a guy getting punched oh <laughs> i can't do it it's like i had yeah. to i would have to play it but I hear you. I, it was just it's another one Obvious. of these sound effects where it's like that's just a, they just went to a sound library anyway there were a lot it seemed like there were a lot of sound library uh, sound effects in this movie uh, and then also i want to praise uh michael dorn aka Worf from star trek because he wore a hat well, he wore his lucky hat, which didn't didn't work for him, Did of not. course, because luck can't overcome cheating. cheating. But uh, I, I just thought, I felt like a lot of characters lose big hands and don't react enough. Like the guy that Jamie Fox beats at the beginning, he's just like, eh, like he's upset, but it doesn't. He didn't seem like he really reacted that much. I love Michael Doran because he loses his hand. <laughs> what is it? Uh, did I write down what he's? He's got some kind of like, oh yeah, baby, and he puts down his cards, and then Vernon beats him. <laughs> Michael Doran goes. Son of a bitch! And he's so mad. You're right. Just, that, that's a poker player. I was watching going like, that's that's what I know poker players to be. So it's funny because I just uh, picked up and, and bought Uncut Gems. And that's yeah. a movie that I feel captures what it's like fully. I, I also bought it back. and watched it. Yeah. And, oh, it's so good. It's so that's intense. What it, that's, that, yeah. It's the only movie to... to it, they, they synthesized the drug that is gambling yeah. and they put it in a movie. And so what's funny is that my reaction would have been exactly like Michael. Michael, <laughs> yeah. I would have been, of course, I would have been pissed off. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the fun of gambling is getting pissed off yeah. at moments like that. It is funny seeing the reactions to uncut gems because there's so many people like I've seen reactions online of just like this movie is so stressful. Why would anyone watch a movie like this? This, this is not enjoyable to watch. And it's just like, yeah, this is so great. This is. This, I mean, it. it <laughs> It really just shows who has the gambling gene and who doesn't. Of just yeah. like this is what I want to feel like all the time is what it feels like watching this movie. 
It's great. Well, actually, it brings me to my first question, so maybe right, we should move go. on, and I can... Time uh, for the devil's advocate. It's a, it's a perfect segue. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. Devil's Advocate, the segment of the show where we have come up with questions to answer each other and do our best to answer them. Yeah. Fire away. And this isn't necessarily playing devil's advocate, but I mean, this is a question for you because there's a quote, there's a text quote at the start of the movie, and I'm just yes. going to read it. Uh, it says, the expert at the card table can laugh at Lady Luck and defy chance. Winning is not his sole delight. There is but one pleasure in life greater than winning, that is, in making the hazard. It's by S.W. Erdnaz, who wrote, he's author of Expert at the Card Table, which is like a famous card book. So my question to you is, do you agree with that? And I think we already discussed it just now, and the answer, I think, is yes. Is the thrill, is the winning the fun part, or is the risking the money the fun part? No, I I mean, I think some of the problem for me is, and it will always be, I remember the losses far more than I remember the wins. Sure. No, what the, the actual excitement is, it absolutely is, is the it's the anticipate. It's the window of before it's decided one way or another. Exactly. It's nice to it's, have the money, but no. To be honest, you know what captures it perfect, and you're right. It's an uncut gems. It's actually the moment. It, it, the fact that he t- five piece parlay with yeah. the opening, opening tip. tip. But honestly, the <laughs> moment right like for if if I had that even a small amount of money, not the insane amount of money he has on it. Yeah. Without a doubt, the fifteen seconds. When the ref has got, but you know, when they're about to do the opening tip, that probably is the peak in terms of the excitement of that bet. Yeah, I mean, you still then get it because it's a five-part parlay, and you're still trying to work your way to it. But literally, and that's all oh, we would have been. I think, this whole thing can fall apart right now. Is the feeling? Yes. Yeah. And he turns to them as they're locked inside and says, well, we would have been effed if we would have lost the opening tip. Yes, you would have been. <laughs> yes. It's, you need all five, and you had one that, what, you have a 50-50 chance? Maybe? See, I think the, the flaw in betting on the opening tip is if you lose the opening tip, then you you lose all of the fun of watching the rest of the game having money on the line. That's it a- literally would wipe it out in the first yeah. second of the game. Well, because that was my question, because the whole quote at the beginning of this movie is all about, you know, the, it's it's making the hazard, which right. is the which is the greater pleasure, and I think I think it is, and that's the reason why the the rest of that bet actually, if you take the opening tip, I know we're not talking, we shouldn't be discussing uncut gems. Yeah, it's a gambling movie, but it's, if you take the opening tip out, it does then capture it because they have the point and rebound total, yeah. all the other components of the bet are the duration of the game. Right. So it it really in reality to capture that quote, if you take it and make it a four four part parlay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 100% it does. Betting the opening tip cuz it's just over it's right so, away if yes. you lose. I, the and the reason it is is to make it seem how crazy he is right. is the reason it's in there. <laughs> yeah, but to capture that quote, no, the rest of that bet 100 100% captures it cuz it's yeah. it's the win. So the end result of the game still matters, but each individual component of every play that Garnett is involved in, you are fully vested in, and that's what that movie captures. Is how, you know, he, he misses some shot in like the second quarter, and he's all pissed off about it. That is 100% of the way that you feel. If you truly love to gamble, yeah. that's how you feel, and that's why even the second and probably my fifth time through, I will still feel the same intensity watching that movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I fully agree. So, so I, I want, just remember seeing it because we saw it in the theater. Me, oh, you, I you, felt me like was having a heart attack. Yes, but I, but I also remember uh, leaning over to. In fact, the opening tip, it was just like, we, you and I were obsessing about, like, why would you... Oh, why would, the yeah. opening, that is suicide. It's really not a good idea. Which is, I suppose, the point. Uh, all right, so my first question is actually from the opening scene in the movie, the card game with the Dean. All right. There's a guy in the background, when you cut and you see 
uh, fre- I'll call him Fresh Fish from the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> sure. There's a guy in the background. He's like wearing a hat. Yeah, I noticed him because I was doing a body count and I had to figure so it out. So with the body count, here's my question. Did he make it out of that scene? Because there's like a briefcase. Did he make it out with the briefcase? Did who make it out with the briefcase? The guy, the, the guy the, in the corner? The guy in the corner in the back. Because I don't think he's in the shootout. No, he's not in the shootout. He kind of looks asleep, and I, I, I don't think we ever see him wake up, so I kind of assumed, for body count purposes, we don't see him get shot, and we never see him again. So I, I think I assumed he just was, he slept through the whole thing. He's just some old man who was asleep. So he made it out of there alive? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's what my question was. So you, you, I thought so, too. It's, not, it, it's hard to tell, but there's no evidence on screen that no, that guy you, died. No, you get a pretty good angle and shot. You can see where the shots are being fired, and I, I think he's out of the scene by then. So I think he made it out of there alive. Okay. Yeah, I, right. I agree he also made it, made it out alive, but it's, it's hard to say. All right. What's your next we'll question? Have to, we'll have to talk about, well, I mean, while we're talking about the, the body count, we may as well make this ruling now. I think I know where you're going to fall. I'm like 90%, but I thought, I thought we needed to bring it up because that is Stallone's character. It's, it's Stallone. Oh, so you think Stallone gets this? Yes. It's his character. But it's not Sylvester Stallone, the actor. I, no, but... Uh, oh, I, I was like 90% the other way. Oh, well, maybe the, we should save this fight until the body counts. All right, let's save the fight because I would argue you want to argue technology. Today, they would just de-age Stallone. So yeah, I, but that's not what they did. I, whatever. All right, let, let's wait till the body count. What's your next question? I mean, would would uh, would you give in Godfather Two? Would you give uh, those two to old V two to uh, Marlon Brando? It's not even in the movie. It's another actor playing a younger version. You're right that now they would do it that way. I mean, we did give it to Arnold in Terminator Dark Fate, but that was a de-aged CGI Arnold with his likeness. Yeah, and what I'm arguing is that if this movie had a budget, <laughs> and if you could not de-age in 2004, yeah, they couldn't do that in 2004. No. I, I, I was trying. Here, I, here, here's the thing. You are the official keeper, so it's up to your decision ultimately. But I would be perfectly okay giving Stallone credit for those bodies. I think that it's Stolen Valor. You're giving him credit for right. another actor's uh, body count, even if it's the same character. All right. I think there's probably been examples of this. It probably has, but I'm not remembering. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm you don't go- see a lot of young Arnold in Arnold's movies. <laughs> there's never flashbacks to him as a little boy. No. My Vina has a first name. What is it? <laughs> it's O-S-K-A-R. My baloney has a second name. Is I do not know how many letters. There's a lot. What's your next question? Because I'm itching for my next one. Okay. What is my next question? I'm reading this and it's not making sense. Is it going to be like my my fourth one? How do you dial someone's asshole for an opinion? I don't know if I can answer that, so maybe it's good that we already covered that topic. I cannot play devil's advocate there. I hope you put on the sounds closing out this episode, Gabriel Burns impersonation. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's free on Prime, so I can pull as many sounds as I want. You think it's like a rotary dial or a push button dial? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I'm guessing he means a rotary dial. The fingers you have used to dial are too fat. <laughs> right. Uh, wait, let me read this. I'm, I'm trying to decipher my own note here. Oh, okay. Yes, this is actually an important question. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what it Sorry, was. Sorry, I got another note that just made me laugh. Uh, but n- not Victor. What is it? V- Vernon. Vernon. Like, Vernon does not stick in my mind as a name. It doesn't seem like a name. I know, just, what, it, I know what it is. Just go. Um, but v- we, we meet Vernon... I think it's Vegas, right? And, and yes. it's, it's some casino in Vegas. Right. And it's to establish 
what a great uh, uh, mechanic he is. Okay, I think you're going down the route of my I, next I question. I think so, too. What does he do here that you and I couldn't have done? There's nothing. He does nothing. He just looks the other way. So this infuriated me because it is established later on in the movie that he legitimately, he's not just some blowhard or a con man who yeah. says he can do all this stuff. He legitimately can do this stuff with cards. And it actually looks like the actor learned to do it and I, is doing it. Yeah. Like, it looks like it's really you know, yes. happening. Yeah. I don't have a good answer for you because here's my, I will turn you, I will answer a question with a question, which you shouldn't do. My question was, what was the purpose of having Vernon, this great mechanic, as a dealer at the table? None of his skills were needed. Nope. And it seems like a lot of work to get him a job at the casino for one shoe of cards <laughs> right. that was just a switch out of the shoe. Yeah. And, and not only that, you get later in that sequence, when they're out basically counting the money, they say that the guy who was sitting at third base, he could just do it himself. Right. That was my follow-up question. He's like, ah, you, you know, you, you want you want to do the same thing at Reno? He's like, yeah, nah, you Reno. can handle it. You're good enough. It's you're you're good enough at least for Reno. Reno. What? He did what? nothing. You're doing nothing. And think about how much time had to be spent to get them to get a job at a casino yeah. for literally. I don't remember. I think it was forty thousand dollars. They were splitting amongst like six people. It was not a very profitable was venture. It, was it that little money? I don't remember how much I think, money. It was. I think it, he said it was pretty good for you know forty grand for an hour's worth of work or whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. like, how many people were involved in this scam? You each got like five thousand dollars. <laughs> you could have just worked this job as a blackjack dealer for a year and made yes, more money. Yes. And if these guys had ever, you <laughs> could have cut. <laughs> and if cut, you've ever seen, like, the, there's like eight of them in the scam too, because there's two women bump the, into the each women, other. Yeah. And you've got the guy at third base. Yeah. You've got a lot of people involved in this. And then if you've ever seen the movie Casino. You know, I'm telling you right now, the money and the hammer, I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to rip off a casino. True. Well, also because the whole thing is like, oh, they caused a distraction, so the guys watching the cameras don't see them switch out the shoe. But they're recording this stuff, and if there's if 40 grand is changing hands in one blackjack table... They might want to go take a look at after it. After they requested that they... Uh, up the, the yeah, minimum, yeah, or up the, the maximum, I'm sorry, the yeah. max bet. Uh, yeah, the table stakes. The... the yeah, they would. They would absolutely look at that. Let's let's watch this tape and make sure nothing untoward happened. And they would immediately see that shoe being swapped. <laughs> they don't like. They don't obscure it from the cameras in any way. No. They just do it. Yeah. They just. This is a distraction because they're distracted by. Yes. That's the shade. That's I learned later. That's that's what shade means. I learned that as well. But um, yeah, we both had the same question, so I don't think yeah, neither of us can answer that. No, and you took. So that was my next question, and it infuriated me. My next one after that was was the phone question. Yeah. So I'm moving to my next one. All right, so this actually gets to <laughs> Jamie Foxx's great comment about the buffet. But I have a question about that entire scam and setup. So when Jamie Foxx or Jennings gets scammed, I want to know, was everybody there in on the scam? Including there were people serving drinks. There were just random women kind of like hanging around at the buffet eating. Yeah. Were they all in on that? Because if they were, that was, again, not a lot of money spread very, very thin. Oh, well, it was more money than 40000 What was it, What did it end up being? It was 80 like, grand. Well, yes, but... Because everybody else's money is just their own. Yeah, I guess that's true. So <laughs> it's 80 grand split like 10 ways. Definitely everyone at the table was in on it, plus the woman who was running the game, supposedly. Right? Yes. <laughs> that's what... Because she actually is there, you know, like when they're, when they're counting... So there's at least six of them at the table, maybe, maybe seven. Right. And then if you include the kind of the, the people serving the drinks? I don't think they're in it. Okay. You, don't, you don't need to tell them anything. Just right, say, so, oh, we're playing a poker. So, you know, we'd hire some help. And so say, everybody hey. at the table. Yeah. So that's, let's say seven people plus, plus the, the woman running the game. That's eight. Yeah. Splitting 80 well, grand. Well, no, because one ways. of them is Jamie Foxx. So 
minus one, so it's seven. That's what I said. Seven plus her is eight. No, because there's isn't there seven at the table? I don't remember. I think there's seven at the Maybe table. Maybe there's seven. Okay. So, so it's 80 grand split seven ways. Either way. It's not it's a lot of money. the difference between 10 grand and 11 grand. It's, like, it, it's not a lot of money. Let's yeah, just go it, a step it, further. If those women and the servers were involved, that really is not a lot of money. Well, also the expenses of the buffet. The buffet, actually. You're right. So even if they weren't in on it, they still had to pay for the wait staff to come. Yeah. They had to rent the house. I assume they rent the house, yeah. Yeah, so when you really... Or they just squatted in this house. Or, when you really think about it, they didn't make very much money. No, yeah. That's true. All right. Uh, yeah, they should have made it more money. What's your both, next both for that reason and for the reason you said earlier about... Right, uh, him being able to just go borrow a yeah, grant. Yeah, so. you're right. They should have made it more. Um, okay, so eventually there's the opening scene where we see the the, the 60s scene. We don't, there's, a, there's a standoff. We don't see how it ends. And then halfway through the movie, we come back to it and we see what happened and... And they end up cutting for the for the money, but uh, the dean gives three options. He says, "Well, I see. It. There's three things we could do here. We could we could shoot it out. We could both leave the money on the table. I mean, or we could cut for it. Winner take all. Winner take all. That Isn't, middle one is a terrible option. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's an option, but." Why, why isn't splitting this money an option? <laughs> That's, I don't it's at have, least an option. Maybe it's not a good option. I don't. All right. Well, I, no. Wait a minute. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate. One. I'm gonna tell you. It not only is it is an option. I think it's actually the best option. <laughs> yeah, but that guy works for the mob, and if the if his boss finds out he stole this money, I guess know, I, maybe that's what. But it at is. a bare minimum, I'm swapping out that middle option of just leaving the money. Yeah, leave there. the money. That doesn't make any sense. That's a terrible option. Yeah. No, I think uh, the middle option should be we split it. It should at, at least be an option. Yes. The guy may reject it, but yeah, at, at a minimum, I agree it should be an option. Okay. All right, this one should have actually been in the little details, actually under the $10 that Steven Seagal stole from the bar. Okay. This was just another jerk move on his part. So he, when he goes to the Chinese restaurant and he's asking about Charlie. Oh, but, yes. <laughs> so yeah. he goes up to the bartender and, you know, he, and he's got his, his wad out because mm-hmm. he's you know, going to offer him a gratuity for some information. Sure. The guy gives him, the bartender gives him the information, and then he says, I was just asking for change for the condom dispenser. What a jerk move. I know, what a jerk. And it doesn't give him a dime. No. But at the very least, if I was a bartender, I'd be like, all right, give me, I'll give you change. And that was the other thing, yeah. is that that bar, no problem. <laughs> Please give me that bill, and I will give you whatever change I feel is necessary. <laughs> He's just going to say. I will take out what I feel the information was worth. Yeah, that, that that is very much yeah. That's it's such a villain move. That guy. Um. Okay, here's a question. So, the first half of this game with Jamie Fox, he's getting a lot of good hands, and people are folding, and he's getting frustrated. And then they go out to that buffet, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm not getting." And Gabriel Burns like, "Calm down, you'll get a chance. Just wait for your moment. Wait for Vernon to deal." Yes, exactly. As a, you know, well, but I think the thing is, even when Vernon is dealing, nobody's betting. Vernon's trying, dealing him great hands, but he's not getting anyone right, to stay in. People them. are trying to set him up. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that, that was my question. Was that deliberate? Yes, that was the strategy. They they deliberately got him to be impatient so he would overreach when he dealt himself 
when they swapped out the decks and he dealt himself. And he actually had what looked like a good hand. Right. Yeah. And okay. to, to him, it looked like. So, yes, I think it was 100% of the strategy is they had to bait him. This was he, a psychological trap. He, he was setting. already a person they established that he's a big talker in that first game and is really full of himself. Right. And so they want to try and accelerate the process so that when Vernon is giving him great hands, nobody's giving him any opportunity to re- win any real money. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So it was deliberate. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if uh, the movie was hinting that or not. So Okay. All right, so I'm going to go back to the Chinese restaurant. You, you've got... <laughs> I like did not comment. I had no notes on this scene. That's fine. <laughs> this is like everything. The only note I had was the sad demise of Be Real. That's the only thing that I cared about. Well, so as the, the shootout or the, the confrontation is unfolding, Charlie's there and he gets confronted. Then Vernon shows up and eventually... Tiffany shows up because Tiffany actually set Charlie up, and then she realizes that Vernon went to go meet Charlie there, and she's oh, like, oh, crap. Yeah, okay. So she, that's why she arrives and ultimately saves the day, because she was setting Charlie up by putting the mob after him at the, the same place and same time that Vernon was going to meet him. But let's put all that aside. So Gabriel Byrne or, or Charlie's trying to save himself, and he is frantically trying to get through a door. My yeah. question to you is... The police later say that there's a waitress who didn't see anything. Is the waitress holding the other side <laughs> yes. of the door so Charlie can't get in? I absolutely think that's what's happening. Because okay. he seems like he expects to be able He's to get trying through. trying to get in. And Why is this door not opening? Yes, he cannot get in at all. Yeah, I like this theory a lot. I think okay. I fully agree with uh, okay. your theory. It's it's funny because all that stuff you said, put aside her, her she's double-crossed Charlie. So I didn't put it together until you said it. I'm like, oh, that's why she freaks out. When but Vernon's Vernon, yeah, there. she reads the, she reads a note that he left for her after they sleep together. I mean, yeah. we skipped over that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, this like but it doesn't matter. Their whole love story. Well, I didn't. I didn't care about their love story. I didn't care about her uh, double crossing uh, uh, Miller because it's like these are just people screwing each other. Yeah, scamming each people. other for fun. It's like yeah. I don't care about any of this. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny how I, because I didn't care, I didn't really think about it. I didn't make any notes about it. But no, that makes total sense. Of all right, she 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 gave up Miller to the mobs. To so try and take him out of the picture. Yeah, to take him out, and then that goes south. Okay, it's all coming into play. Because yeah. I wasn't entirely sure why she tipped off the mob about all that. Yeah. But so, okay, now this whatever. makes sense. All right, so you're, you're backing me up that the waitress is on the other side frantically, yeah. like, pushing the other, counterweighting the door. Yeah, she's, like, yeah, stacking chairs under under the doorknob. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, I've, I've, if you've got some more, fire away, because I've only got probably one more that we haven't already covered. No, I only have one more, and it's uh, in the last scene... There was a moment uh, of poor. I, po- oh, what? oh, I bet you. I think I know what it is. The poor poker etiquette. What? Let's bad hear. manners. That let's guy. Hear. It's the Texas guy, right? No. Who was it? It was it. Was it? It the- was the. It was the Texas guy. But I'm actually thinking something else. I have a question. A poker. A, a, a an actual gambling question. So. Okay. Well, let me go first, and then maybe okay. we can answer that. So, so there's a moment where a guy's got. I think he's got a full house. I yeah, think it's, it's, the, te- it's, it's the Tony. Texas. It's Tony, Tony D from yeah, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, um, the dean raises him money that he doesn't have, and then it's like, "Oh, you only have twenty five. I'll I'll be nice and I'll take back. I won't buy the pot. Yeah, I won't buy the pot. I'll just I'll just bet what you've got with you." And the guy decides to fold, and then the dean makes a face like, mm, "Maybe not a great decision." And the guy tries to grab the card to see if to see he was it. bluffing or not. And they all stop him, and they won't let him do it, you know, because that's very much not the thing you can do. Poor form. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so my question was, 
Was he really bluffing, or was he bluffing that he was bluffing? So I had that as one of my questions that I skipped over. Okay. I, th- I My question was, did Tony D get taken? I think he did. I think he was bluffing. I don't think he had it. You don't think Dean had it? No. No, see, I, I think he... He, he just he, toyed with he, Tony he, D? He cheats so much, he, he's always going to give himself the best hand. But I think he wanted him to think, oh, you made a wrong decision. That because you should have stayed in. You should have stayed in. You could have beat me. To trick people into thinking that sometimes he bluffs, where he's giving himself, you know, he's cheating all the way through, so he never needs to bluff. He's always going to have the best hands. I, I think he was bluffing. He okay. was not. He was not bluffing. He actually had it. I think that's plausible, and I certainly could believe it. All right. So I, I had a question. I'm going to skip about that. The whole organ, whether that organ harvesting was real or what that was about. Yeah, I kind of don't want to talk about that, but we can. Uh, no, no. So I'm going to go with my last question actually is in the final hand. We should at least explain for people who didn't watch the movie. There's a scene where a guy's hitting on Danny Newton in a bar, and in revenge, she decides to take him to some dingy place where she locks him up in handcuffs because you know, he, he's thinking, no, it's... Uh, you BDSM. Know, yeah, exactly, and things are going to go down. And then suddenly she opens a door and a doctor comes in and they're going to har- harvest this guy's organs. And he's got a ball gag in so he can't protest. And the, the reason I wasn't sure if it was real is because it, it's like a cooler you have like a six-pack of beer in. Oh, yeah. And, but <laughs> I mean, it actually it has like... Like a sticker that says organs on the side of it. That, that's so what made, to make it official. No, but that's what made me think that it was more of like she does this to... To scare him. To, to scare him, but I wasn't sure. It, it's, it's not clear. It's not clear, but all right. This, this is my legitimate last question. So the final hand between the Dean and Vernon, they go back and forth in terms of the dollar amount, and the Dean says... Uh, he, the Dean gets... They get called, and the Dean says... I think once they draw all the money in, meaning Tandy Newton and um, Gabriel Byrne or Charlie and Tiffany, they each come in with their money to back up for the... Right, because he doesn't give uh, Vernon the same courtesy he gave uh, Tex there. He, 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 you know, he, right? No, he's trying to buy this pot. He tries to buy it, but here's the thing: is that so when they then come in with the money, the it's not the next line, but. Before the cards are shown, he yeah. says, I bet you guys are tapped out. I could buy this pot for $10. I'm like, what can you buy? It's been called. You can't put any more bets yeah. in. I had a note about that, too. I didn't uh, bring it up, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it makes I, it, The exact makes, same reaction of just like, you know, for all the things this movie gets right for its poker. That's for the final show. That was t- a terrible mistake. And it was, it, was, it was the last round of betting. So it's not like on the next round of betting, I'll buy this pot. No, it was the last card. Right. And you've and, been called. And you've been called. So there's nothing left to do but show your cards. Yes. So, yeah, okay. you're, right. abso- you're absolutely right. He cannot buy this pot for $10. No. doesn't matter. Nobody can. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter done. if he wants to or not. The betting is over. Yeah. All right. You ready for the Silk, the silk Cozart corner? Sure. We're going to dig even deeper into poker stuff. Uh-oh. Both of y'all. Yes, y'all. This is the segment of the show where I take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia uh, that the movie sparked my interest, named in honor of Silk Cozart, the actor and eraser, and his character who... In memoriam of him. All right. So, uh, yeah, basically what I did is I went to a website that uh, my browser told me I had been to before. I didn't recall ever going there, (laughs) but this is a Texas Hold'em odds calculator. Okay. And I decided to just do a deep, deep dive into that first Jamie Foxx hand because it's the only legit poker hand in the entire movie. Like This is the only poker we see where nobody's cheating, presumably. I don't think so. Um, although the way that hand goes, you'd be suspicious. <laughs> so uh, I, I so I went to poker. It's a, it's a Texas old Hold'em odds calculator. I should I, I didn't write down the URL. I should have. Don't give them credit. But anyway, you've clearly been there before. I had been there before at some point. 
but anyway, I want to dig into this hand because I'm not entirely sure that uh, Jamie Foxx should have been as confident as he was. Okay. So, okay. First of all, we don't see the pre-flop. We, we come in on the flop. So there was a round of betting. We see that there, were, there are chips in there that looks yep. like there are, you know, someone raised and someone called. And also there's a third guy at the table, and he's no longer playing. So presumably he folded, and it's just these two guys' heads up. So the flop is a jack of clubs, nine of hearts, eight of spades. Jamie Foxx immediately goes all in. <laughs> Now, to be fair, he has a pretty good hand. He's got three nines. And uh, there's only one over. There's, there's a jack on the board, so there's one over. So, really, the odds of the guy having three jacks is pretty low. But that's not the only thing he needs to be worried about. We're going we're to get to in a second. But let's go through the odds as of this moment. So, Jamie Foxx, at this moment, has an 87.88% chance to win against the other guy's pocket kings. 1.62% chance to tie. 10.51% chance to lose. Um, which makes sense because the guy, he needs a king. There's only two kings left, so... Or he needs, like, I forget what else. It was like a runner-runner flush. I, he had some other out, but it was like a long shot. And then, on the next card, on the turn, a king comes up. So now, the odds are... And this is what really got my goat. Because I when I was watching this and going, like, well, he's done. He can't win this hand. He has, like, a tiny percent chance. And I looked, I, I did the calculations... Jamie Foxx, in this moment, has a 2.27% chance to win. <laughs> 97.73% chance to lose. No percent chance to tie. So what you're saying is this guy should have had the wharf reaction when he loses. Yes. There's, neither one of them reacts. Right In this moment, Jamie Foxx should be like, oh my God. I'm done. Right. Because there's only one card in the deck that will help him now. That fourth nine. He needs four nines. He's already got three of them. There's only one nine left. One card out of whatever, 44 cards left, whatever it would be. He's screwed. He's 2.27% chance, and he doesn't react at all. He's just like, I need a nine. You, know, you may be a 10, but I need... I need. Well, first of all, he says, I need you to deal me a nine. No, no, Jimmy Fox, not a nine. The nine. There's one nine left. You need the nine. Not a nine. Anyway, nobody reacts to this. You watch poker online, you know, or play poker. So does this happen? Everyone would be like, whoa, like what a huge change of fortune. And then, of course, the nine comes out, the one nine that's left in the deck, about as lucky as you can get. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, it, it annoyed me that they're not reacting like he just hit a one in 50 shot to well, win yeah, this game. The, the fact that it bounced and swayed back and forth, that you had right. an 87% chance yeah. flipping completely the other <laughs> yeah, way. Completely. To a ninety-seven percent chance, yeah. and yeah, it's, I mean that's that's just the movie scripting a hand. They want to make it dramatic, but you know, come on, it's, it's I've not played poker in a long time, but you know, in junior high and high school, we had a regular poker game. We probably played twice a month. I can count the four of a kinds I've seen in I don't know thousands, tens of thousands of hands I've played a poker. I've maybe seen one or two four of a kinds, and of course, there's two in this movie. Although one of them was rigged, but whatever. Uh, so two. There's more than two. I think there's only two. Do we, is there another four of a kind in the final game? Because the final hand is the final is one. Three of a, but you have jacks versus tens, and Jamie Fox had four nines. You have four three of a kind. Oh yes, there are two. Yeah, two players there are two have are four of course of a kinds in the same hand. How could I forget that? But two of those two are rigged. So, uh, yeah, yes. they are both cheating. You're right. That is even less likely. Like Jamie Fox doesn't occur to him that he's being scammed. There's two four of a kinds in, in the same hand. Honestly, that would have been interesting to calculate the odds on that, or what are the odds of having two oh, four two of four kinds, kinds in the same hand? You know. Of with six players playing or whoever was playing at that. Yeah, that I don't know. This is 
purely a Texas Hold'em calculator ahead, yeah. and then that, that was yeah. five card draw. So I'm yeah. sure that's totally a different thing. But okay, so let's let's just talk theoretically real quick. I did some theoretical scenarios for what Jamie because Jamie Fox has three nines on the flop. We know the guy has two kings because we see it. But what if he had other hands? So, and this is what I mean about he's being a little overconfident because there are a couple of hands that he would have had a rough time against that were not all that low odds. I'd say in terms of like the guy could have had these hands very easily. So first of all, if he had been going against an inside straight draw, in other words, the, the guy had either a queen or a seven, because there was a jack nine and an eight on the board. So there's a straight, there's a possible straight out, out there. So if the guy had an inside straight draw, in other words, he's one card away from a straight, and he needed a ten and only a ten, then the, his opponent would have had a twelve point five three percent chance to win, so a little better than his pocket kings, one point two one percent chance to tie. So that's not much better, but it's better. Outside straight draw. So if this guy had had a ten, then he would have had eight, nine, ten, jack, and so he would have had, he could have had either a queen or a seven would have would have made his straight. And if he had an outside straight draw, he would have had a twenty three point four three percent chance to win. So almost one in four, two point four two percent chance to tie. Uh, and then if he had had pocket tens, he would have had that inside straight draw or the outside straight draw. Plus he would have had a pair, so that raises it to thirty one point five two percent chance. And then, if the guy had just flopped the straight, if he had a 10-king in his, in his hand, then he's got the straight right in the flop, and at which point, Jamie Foxx is behind. And that guy would have had a 64.54% chance to win, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, not at all. If you've got a queen 10, you might stay in and wait for the flop. And, you know, Jamie Foxx didn't seem to, you know, it just I just felt like he was very blasé about a, a good hand, but not, like, the best hand. Yeah. He's got three of a kind, but it's not the top three of a kind. That's the last possible thing that his opponent could have had. There was a jack in the board. The guy could have had pair of jacks in the hole. His three nines against that guy's three jacks, if he'd had three jacks. The other guy would have had a 64.54. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That that was the, the straight. There, I was going to say, I thought it was bigger. There it is. The, the other guy would have had a 92.42% chance to win yeah, after the flop. When he gets the three kings, that that's effectively what it was, ni- almost 98%. So Yeah, exactly. It just would have been one card earlier, yeah. essentially. Uh, you're right. Yeah, it's essentially the same scenario. But granted... Jamie Foxx pulls a fourth nine, and so he wins no matter what. Any of those scenarios, if he gets if he hits his fourth nine, he wins. So it doesn't really matter, but I don't know. I just wanted to go through the scenarios and be like, some, some of these scenarios, Jamie Foxx should not be going all in on. I mean, he obviously doesn't know what his opponent has, but you have to think about those possibilities. In partic- Here are all the things the guy might have, and how likely are each of these. Yeah, in particular, knowing that there's something else that somebody theoretically could have had a pair a pair of jacks that could have beat you to just immediately say yeah i'm all in yeah. based on nine it, it it would have made more sense i mean again this movie is not really a poker movie and it's not digging that deep but i i, I would have found this much more plausible if he had had the pair of jacks if if jamie fox tripped the top uh, card on the board and so best the guy can do is you know a straight draw or a pocket kings like he had and even a straight even if the guy had a straight draw if you've got three of a kind, you could easily hit a full house or or four of a kind, although that's less likely. But, you know, uh, yeah, if you had three jacks, it would have felt much more reasonable for him to just be like, all in. I don't know what to think right about it. Right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's, I wish he had thought about it more. Whatever. This movie's not a poker movie and I'm digging into it like it is. That's all right. Anyway, whatever. Bunch of statistics for you about this particular hand that I pulled from Texas Hold'em Odds Calculator. Sounds good. Time for the body count. All right. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. All right, the segment of the show, why we're here. Yeah, one sec, I gotta switch computers. So we're going, we're gonna go with your your method. 
But here, while we can we can have the discussion. No, I mean, it's fine. While you you pull up your stats, here's what I here's what I tracked. I I, I had the dean. He gets two right out of the gate. Uh, I have three in that scene. Well, he uses a human shield for another one. No, I, I think I have him shooting three people, but because when I was I was uh, calculating if we wanted to count it, which we can still talk about. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought he had three. All right. I don't remember specifics anymore, and that's not counting the the guy he kills later. Yeah, there's there's Mike is doing. You can't stop doing the monkey. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and rewatch that because it is really funny. Yeah, no, it, it is very strange. I'm also trying to remember what Simpsons episode I'm quoting. I, I don't remember. Is that the Halloween episode where Bart has powers and can like st- make people do things? Uh, I think and he makes Mrs. Krabappel. It's definitely Krabappel cannot yeah. stop doing the monkey. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I I don't. I think it's a moot point because I. I don't think we should give these to Sylvester Stallone. I'm 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 buying in. So let's okay. get let's get the numbers without giving them to Stallone. All right. So we're comparing Arnold what, Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone. What was the total body count in this movie? I have ten. Okay. Did you have a number? Another number? I didn't write the number down, so I got to count them here. Okay. Well, but again, we we we're tracking those, but the real number, the real competition is Stallone's yeah, right. personal yeah. body count versus uh, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Schwarzenegger. So anyway. So I've got zero for Stallone in this movie because the grown-up uh, adult, well, not adult, he was an adult at the beginning, but, you know, the older... <laughs> the uh, age. Yes, the, the, the older Dean. Uh, the Dean Emeritus is, is what he is. But, uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't have anything on the body count in this movie, even despite the, sh- the standoff at the end. Although I don't even think he had a gun there. Maybe he did. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but anyway, so Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.39. And Sylvester Stallone's average as of this movie is 10.50. This is 399 total. He's still stuck at 399 uh, across 38 movies. And that average just keeps free falling. Yeah, but he's still ahead on the total on, on the on what he's on pace for because uh, Arnold had a total body count of 547. And because Stallone made so many more movies, Stallone's still on pace to have a higher body count at 588. Need that Rambo. That, That's what we need. That is his current pace. Well, we'll talk about it in a second because, I mean, Rambo three and Cobra basically account for every all body counts this season except for a handful. That's crazy. Avenging Angela had five, and then otherwise Fist and ICU each have one, and that's it. Crazy. Um, but we'll talk about you know Rambo and the ways in which it will have to carry the load in a minute. All right. Well, it's time for the Wrecking Crew Award. It is time for the Wrecking Crew Award. All right, we the award that we give to the character who wrecked the most shop in the movie. This one was pretty easy for me this time around. Well, I, you, you say character, I want to say you know. Usually, it's the character. Sometimes it's other things. In this in this case, I have something a little abstract. But maybe oh you, you go first, since he said it was easy. Inanimate carbon rod. <laughs> uh, I gave it to the dean. I mean, you get that opening sequence. He gets off with all the makes off with all the money. And he wrecks the most shop. Yeah, I mean, I, that's who I was going to give it to, but you know what? I dis- I did decide to go did a little more abstract because I disliked a lot of the characters, and even the characters who are likable are still cheaters. Even the dean, he's who is the big a, cheater, I liked his character a lot, but he's a cheater, and that rubs me the wrong way that this movie is so pro cheating. So I give the Wrecking Crew award to dishonesty. <laughs> what? <laughs> dishonesty causes the most problems in this movie. <laughs> I thought it wrecked the most shop. Dishonesty. 
It was the <laughs> source of all their problems. They could just be honest and not be a bunch of uh, lying, filthy cheaters. I do appreciate the creativity of figuring something else out other than the obvious, which was the Dean. I didn't think anybody deserved it, although I think Stallone is good in this movie, and I liked his character, and yeah, that's who I would give it to. If, gun to my head, you made me give it to a character and not to an abstract concept. <laughs> anyway, let's write the movie. All right. <laughs> Punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. All right, the Rocky rating where we rate the movie based on Rocky opponents from Apollo Creed to Spider Rico. Yeah. This one was a pleasant surprise for me. I couldn't get all the way to a Clubber Lang. It was very close, but I wound up going with a Mason Dixon on this one. I was kind of uh, on the same fence, and I've tipped the other way. So I'm, wow. I'm giving it a Clubber Lang. I, don't, I think I, it's just good enough. that it's, I, I, I would say I like this movie. Yeah, there were enough performances I liked. Uh, I, I, you could easily convince me. You know, it's a Clubber Lang. It's right there for me. The things, the flaws in this movie are pretty major flaws. We never got into how much I hate the music in this movie. I cannot stand. I didn't really notice it. Just inappropriate music in a lot of places, and just like the same cues played over and over. It's just like just for like five minutes straight in a scene where we don't need this music. It's just two people talking. <laughs> And then there's a moment where uh, the Dean, it's before the game where the Dean is uh, just looking out uh, out of his, uh, off his balcony in his hotel. And it's just like this contemplative moment of like the Dean, he's clearly yeah. like thinking about things. And, and, and meanwhile, the soundtrack is just like blaring techno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to find it. There's yeah, a few things we need to find after we wrap up because I, I want to hear Gabriel Byrne's impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think the good outweighs the bad. And I'm willing to give a clubber lang. Right, despite I'm, the fact there are certain things with me, I def- definitely did not like the performances are good. I mean, it's a good cast. Yeah. Un- re- unlike ICU, which had a great cast and was doing oh. nothing with it. This movie, I think made something of it. Yeah, it, it wasn't great, it. but it, it was, it was good, but certainly not great. Yeah. yeah. No, we're pretty much in the same spot. Yeah. We're just you know, tilting it's a little nuance. bit one way or the nuance. other. Yeah. All right. So where are we headed? Yeah. So the next episode is my pick and Based on because of the debacle that happened earlier in the season with uh, Rebel, aka No Place to Hide, which is a movie that is no that I picked earlier in the year or earlier in the season is no longer available. It's not, funny. It was available right up to the moment that we were trying yeah. to re- get, do our work to record. Yeah, and it's one of those. What's what's the thing where you know the scientific principle where by observing it you've changed something's properties? That's kind of what happened. I don't know that one. It's some kind of inherently by observing something, you change its properties. It's like a scientific concept. That's what happened with the YouTube video of Rebel. (laughs) By by choosing to to watch it, we caused too much attention to it to get it pulled down. Got pulled off via YouTube. But but at this point, we're short one movie, and we need to save the last movie in that category, which is Capone, for next season. And so I have basically no category to choose. So. Or uh, actually, it's it's perfectly appropriate because we are going to cheat our rules just like this movie cheated uh, the rules of poker. I was going to say, but there are other movies you could pick from because you got another escape plan. We've got yeah, there's there's whatever some, that Matthew Modine movie is. Yeah, Backtrace. There's bits and bobs we need to figure out when we're going to cover. But um, you just want to do a Rambo? Yes, we're going to do Rambo, the fourth one. Rambo, comma the fourth one, which is its official title. Uh, is that really what it is? No, it's just oh. called Rambo. That's my official title. Because that's what I say every time. Rambo, the fourth one. Because you have to explain that it's the fourth one. 
Also, it's called John Rambo in some territories. I'm not sure where it's called what, but yeah, it's John Rambo, a.k.a. Rambo, a.k.a. the fourth one. Well, the one thing I do know is that the body count is going to change significantly. Yes. Well, now that there's a fifth one, that can slide in to our final Stallone season because we broke it out into four different four seasons. So um, they all have to be done. So it, it makes sense. And we covered Rambo three right at the beginning of this season, although it was ages ago now. Uh, which is all the more reason. Let's do Rambo for now, and then we can do the fifth one. We can do Last Blood, you know, near the end. And also, I think it makes sense because after Rambo, I have to I have to say it in that tone to, to make it clear that it, that's the title. After we watch Rambo, um, we're gonna do Rocky Balboa, and I feel like similar to uh, Rambo two and Rocky four, I think Rambo and Rocky Balboa are of a piece and are, you know, they're made around the same time I and they have that. similarities. Um, but you've never seen the fourth Rambo, correct? No, no. Okay. So I'm curious to get your point of view in particular on this oh, one. Oh, man. All right. Well, of all the Rambos, I think this is the one I just could go either way with you. And I'm very curious <laughs> where you're going to fall on this. Because you liked Ram- Rambo 2 and you didn't like Rambo 3. So I'm, I, I'm not sure where this is going to fall. I don't know either, but I'm, I know, as I said, I know one thing the body count will change. Oh yes! Oh, you don't even know. You, I don't, I don't think you. I mean, it, you've seen Rambo two and three, and I think you think that you know what to expect, but you don't know what to expect. Is Hot Shots Part Two going to be put to shame? Oh, definitely. Let me put it this way: uh, I'm gonna have to set aside a long, <laughs> long time to do an official body count. I'm like hours and hours of stepping through frames. Yeah, that's the part I'm not looking forward to, but uh, All right, yeah, well, it'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward to talking about Rambo, comma, the fourth one. Yeah, and it should be I, – I do enjoy the the idea of Rocky Balboa then finishing out the season. It's probably a good good way to finish this season. Yeah. So. I mean, it was it, it it's funny because we've been doing a lot of this low point of Stallone's career, and these two movies were the things that brought him back. The you know, yeah. the Rocky Balboa, and then immediately afterwards he did Rambo, and afterwards he was, you know, had a, had that renaissance and you know, the Expendables movies and Creed and all this. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, sure. Yeah, so I think it's it's appropriate that we're coming out of shade, even though we kind of, we like shade okay. We're stepping it, into the sunlight, exactly. right? Exactly. It, it feels like we're recreating this moment of Stallone's career. Right. Here's, here's the... The period where he had his resurgence. I'm looking forward to that. So am I. Well, if you like the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Uh, maybe write us a favorable review. We hope to hear from you at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter as well. Yeah, and if uh, you know someone, if you have friends or family who you might you think might like this show, uh, let them know about the show. We've got Rambo and Rocky Balboa coming up, yep. and those are two movies that I really like. So maybe you will have friends or family who will also enjoy listening to us talk about it. I- I'm curious to see how confrontational they will get. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll be back with Rambo. You're cheating hard to pine someday and crave the love you threw away The time will come when you'll be blue your cheating heart will tell on you when tears come down like falling rain you'll toss around and
right. <laughs> Give me this Gabriel Byrne because I knew exactly what you were talking about. It is. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember Dial Your Asshole. I, I wrote that one down because there was no way I was going to remember it, but it was a yeah. great line. It's in my notes. Can I help you? I'm looking for Mr. It's here somewhere. It, that guy has no point in this movie. No, yeah, I, I have no idea why it's so important that he had to be pulled in on the scam. It's like Boss Hog. <laughs> kind of is. Some things never change, huh? Well, you're going to dial your asshole. He's got his great too. Go back again. That is good. You're really here, Gabe O'Byrne, trying American accent, and I think that's Some what makes it so good. Change. Well, you're going to dial your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's so pleased with him.